Namaste and welcome back to another episode of The Sapient. Today we have yet another guest. His name is Anson. Welcome Mr. Anson. Hi, thanks for having me. I uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Mhm. And how is your day going? Uh so far so good. I mean, it's uh 10 in the morning my time, so sort of just got started, but uh <laughs> we'll uh we'll see how the rest of it goes, but so far it can't be too bad. Got it. So, uh, you know, like just for the preparation of this uh, particular episode, I just went through your Instagram and um, in the bio, you had like four or five incredible things. <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes hard to narrow down what I mm-hmm. do or what I've done or <laughs> and try to also not be boring about it, I guess. I don't know how um, you can call yourself boring because... <laughs> Um, you know, like people are out here flexing with half of what you got. That, yeah, that is true. Um, you know, and at the same time, I, I guess in my world, I'm in, I'm in real estate and real estate investing and I kind of, you know, I create content, not, you know, a ton, but I'm decently well known in the real estate investment world just through being in it for so long. Just and, a second, Anton. Oh, you're I fine. There is some issue. Mic check. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, uh, got it. Sorry, I think there was some kind of glitch. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, no issues. So, as I was saying, you know, like you were just in Instagram bio is just filled with accomplishments that that are very big. Um, but also your content is very strong. I have to say, like you put out very quality content out there. I appreciate that. Um, it's it's a mix between not doing it enough and not putting enough thought into it, and then way overthinking every single other thing <laughs> that mm-hmm. that I put out there. So, um, so yeah, I, I appreciate that out, outside perspective. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Anson, where are you based out of? Uh, I'm in Denver, Colorado, in in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and have uh, basically born and raised here. Um, I've gone away for college for a couple of years and gone uh, down to Arizona for a couple of years to be closer to family uh, mm-hmm. that moved down there. But I've been here in Colorado the rest of the time. So that's where I'm at. Got it. And how is the like general vibe of your city? Yeah. Um, Denver is really well known for being, you know, the, you know, kind of, it has this wild west old school vibe of, mm-hmm kind of the entire western part of the u.s has this you know uh this kind of wild west a little bit uh a little bit crazy it's not as packed and Mm -hmm. and dense as the east coast and so uh you know denver in particular is kind of this island in the middle of colorado and we're not surrounded by huge cities like Mm -hmm. you would be in ohio or or philadelphia or something like that um Mm -hmm. you know the nearest large city that i can drive to is um, 12 hours away uh, if you're talking about Kansas City or Phoenix or maybe mm-hmm. six or seven hours if you're talking like Santa Fe or or Albuquerque so we're you know we're kind of this island the the, the vibe here is pretty <laughs> laid back very mm-hmm. outdoors and action and sports and uh, activity oriented you know mm-hmm. we're one of like the quote-unquote fittest uh, states uh, everybody likes to you know seemingly go you know, on the weekend they're camping or they're paddle boarding or they're hiking or 
Um, you know, a lot of my friends, their entire social lives are, are based around their uh, their sport activities like mountain biking or, or rock climbing. And so mm-hmm. everybody has, it's kind of baked into our culture. It feels like, you know, we, we like to go outside and, and have fun and, um, you know, that translates into business as well. So mm-hmm. if you're dealing with a lawyer or an agent or, or, you know, another professional in Denver, we're probably going to act a bit different than kind of like a, a New York or LA, you know, kind mm-hmm. of hardcore, um, hardcore, you know, hard ass or something like that. So (laughs) it seems like we're just a little bit more laid back, which I really like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously being outdoor oriented is, uh, is pretty awesome as well. So Mm -hmm. I love, I love it here. Got it. And, um, you know, I'm just going off of my research, you know, kind of, um, the, um, you know, like the primary research that I did. So, it seems to me that you are a real estate kind of person who mm-hmm. like breeds and talks and things real estate, I think. Yep. That's definitely me. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been involved in real estate since 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I really haven't looked back. I, I really enjoy all, you know, most of the aspects of real estate that I'm involved mm-hmm. in. And it's just, it, it, you know, it hits a lot of boxes. It's creative, it's business oriented, you can scale it, you can go over there and touch it. Like those things have always appealed to me versus investing in just stocks or, or things that I can't see, touch or, Mm -hmm. or manipulate. And so, and so it just made sense to, uh, to dive into real estate. Got it. So because you have been in the game for so long, like almost 20 years now, mm-hmm. what, like, did you have a horror story from 2007 and eight? <laughs> oh yeah, I think everybody did. I, I, in 2007, I had just got my real estate license. I had done a mm-hmm. couple of investment deals before that. Um, so I just got my, my license in 2007 and mm-hmm. 2008 started rolling around and, um, the market, uh, just started going just falling off a cliff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, one of the nice parts in hindsight is that Denver acts a little bit more like the coasts and it, it didn't take as much of a dive as, you know, the Sun Belt or the Rust Belt or, uh, you know, the Midwest areas. Mm-hmm. But when you're right in the middle of it and you have no idea, you know, I had, I was in my twenties and so I had no clue, you know, what mm-hmm. the precedent was. And it felt like the end of the world, you know, every, Every week was, you know, just worse and worse news. Um, agents just kind of running around with their heads cut off, like screaming mm-hmm. at the sky. Like, um, and so, um, you know, horror story wise, I thankfully didn't get caught with anything, you know, like losing a ton of money on an investment or anything like that. We were still selling real estate and we're still, um, you know, flipping houses during that time. And, mm-hmm you know, we just, we just set our expectations, you know, realistically. So if we knew that we were buying at, you know, X amount today, that there is a mm-hmm. possibility that our, our exit price is, mm-hmm. you know, 20% lower than what we think. And we have to just mm-hmm. budget for that. But, you know, I joined a, um, I joined a, a bank owned foreclosure real estate team. So we were uh, selling bank owned foreclosures So business and that realm was good. Um, you know, I think all the horror stories are just, you know, 
watching a ton of people lose their houses and mm -hmm. having, you know, the, obviously the banks take them back and, or they got, um, they got caught up in a adjustable interest rate mortgage that they had no idea what that was. And mm -hmm. so when the interest rates adjusted and their payment, you know, mm -hmm. went up by 50% or it doubled, then they're no longer able to you know, afford the house. Um, mm -hmm. Those, I mean, those horror stories stick with me. Thankfully, mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't get uh, caught in anything too, uh, too devastating personally, but I did through the virtue of the business, I got to hear and experience a lot of those stories from, you know, people that we were dealing with on the foreclosure side um, mm -hmm. of kind of just this aftermath of, you know, mm -hmm. 2000, you, you can always go like, well, 2008 is just these lines on a, on a graph and they just went down. <laughs> but mm -hmm. in reality, I mean, those are a lot of people's lives that were yes. absolutely crushed and, mm -hmm. you know, hearing from those people. And unfortunately, you know, we, we were obviously working for the bank, so we were somewhat the bad guy, but it, it wasn't our, you know, we're not the foreclosing entity. We're just trying to, um, sell the asset for the, for the bank. And so mm -hmm. anywhere that we could, we would try to help them out in any capacity. So if, you know, the bank would say, Hey, um, they would, they would always, you know, if, if, if we got the, we, we got the address, the first thing you would do is go out and check to see if it was occupied. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'd say eight times out of 10, it's somebody's still living there, whether it's a tenant or the owner, mm -hmm. you'd have to make contact with them. And then, um, basically offer them some money in order to move out um, because it's obviously no longer their, their home. And mm -hmm. so the bank would give us a budget mm -hmm. and the, you know, their goal was to have us stay on the low end. <laughs> and for us, mm -hmm. it was just, it's the bank's money. So we would always try and get them the most amount of money as we could from, mm -hmm. from the bank um, as a, you know, instead of like, they're like, start off at $500 and then go up in $500 increments from there. We would mm -hmm. just be like, look, um, we could probably get you four grand, you know, to get mm -hmm. out. And so we would, we wouldn't play the bank's games. We would try to help out that homeowner as much as possible. And mm -hmm. um, so it's just, you know, little things like that. But there was mm -hmm. just a lot of, a lot of crazy stories during that time. And unfortunately, a lot of people who got, you know, mm -hmm. churned under the wheels of, of, uh, the market, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And and do you think that because you were in real estate game for a few years by then, did you kind of see it coming or it was just like all of a sudden, like, boom, here it is. <clears throat> I mean, in, in hindsight, of course, um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the, the signs were there of something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I remember because in 2004 and five, I was in, or yeah, four and five, I was in Phoenix Mm -hmm. And that's, that's when I had started kind of my real estate journey and really getting around agents and investors and anybody that I could in order mm -hmm. to learn any, anything that I could, honestly. And, you know, I did, I did find it weird that, I mean, Phoenix was like on fire during that time. It was like 44% appreciation, totally, uh, like you cannot sustain that in any way at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, <laughs> so I, I kind of should have seen that more, but I remember, I remember getting my haircut one, one day and my hairdresser, um, you know, like middle-aged, uh, woman, um, obviously she's working at, you know, like a great clips or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. 
in uh in West Phoenix and mm-hmm. she's talking about how she went and bought or she put money down on like three lots on a new build mm-hmm. community and um turned around and flipped them for like you know twenty thousand dollars a profit each. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I found that very strange that, that, <laughs> that it was just that easy and that, like when your hairdresser is talking about getting into real estate, you should probably get out. <laughs> um, unless they're like, obviously, you know, obviously there's this exception, mm-hmm. obviously barbers yeah. in real estate uh, or hairstylists that are doing great with real estate. But if they're just like, yeah, you just wait in line, you put deposit down on three lots and two weeks later, you just sell them for a huge profit <laughs> like that un- unsustainability. Like mm-hmm. should just throw up every single red flag in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it is a, I, I should have seen it, but honestly it felt like it just kind of came out of nowhere to me, mm-hmm. but that's just due to no experience. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a couple of years of experience in, in, in what I was doing, but kind of the general overall market, man, I mm-hmm. had no, I had no clue. I should have seen, uh, <laughs> I should have seen <laughs> like the, the craziness coming down the line. So mm-hmm. got it. Because um, I have not yet had the fortune of, uh, you know, start getting started in real estate, mm-hmm. but I have been uh, really interested and, in, you know, like studying about it and, you know, like talking to people about it for over over many years. Okay. So I kind of have my own kind of um, like, let's say a formula to look at whether a property is valued or you know, undervalued or overvalued. And Anson, I'm from India. Okay. Um, you know, you might have guessed it by my accent, but, um, you know, I'm from India and I'm from a city called as Bangalore. Bangalore, uh, So, sure. yeah. So, Bangalore is like the Silicon Valley of India. Okay. So, it's like very, very developed city. Um, but currently, right now, the real estate prices here don't make any sense. Okay. Like, Just they are like to the roof. Like, you know. Overvalue, yeah, sure. Um, not even over, it's like insanely high, overvalued. Like okay. there, there is no fiscal sense it would make for you to buy that kind of property. Um, but it's just because of tech boom. Sure. Um, like, you know, many other cities and even many other countries are uh, seeing the same growth right now. Yep. And over the years, I have talked to many real estate uh, experts, right? And one common dialogue I hear is, you know, like this is the new rate, like this is the new normal this is the new normal but i again go back to the same thing that if if the property cannot be rented for you know like like for a good amount then it does not make sense for a viable investor to invest in that real estate yeah you know totally. yeah. because um, and i think now even in united states what i'm saying is you know similar kind of situation going on so my question is now that we are seeing this kind of artificial recession mm-hmm. um, especially in the United States um, do you think that right now is there a probability of like another bubble burst in near future yeah that's a that, that's a really good question I think um, <clears throat> I think that there's always the, the probability of it I don't see a lot of the same obviously yeah, every bubble is different um, but mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of the pressures from the, at least the mortgage side that are, that are going to cause it. I think that there, I think that any kind of cooling off or any kind of correction will come from the affordability side. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, just like you said, when wages don't increase at the same rate as rent 
or uh, your house payment, there's just a point where things just become too unaffordable for your average person who is obviously your average consumer, who is mm -hmm. the, you know, the person driving the market, whether on the rent side or the, the buy mm -hmm. side. And so, so is that um, our demographics? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, if your average person can't afford rent yes. in Denver mm -hmm. or Bangalore, then mm -hmm. they're forced to move or move to mm -hmm. the outskirts or, yes. you know, ha have a different option, move to a more affordable area. And then mm -hmm. that's going to create pressure on Bangalore through now increased inventory to now mm -hmm. re reduce prices. Yes. I don't think that there's going to be anything that's maybe like a, um, you know, kind of a huge fall off. I, you know, 2008 was just kind of this one time insane event where, you know, there's a ton of arms that were adjusting at the same time and a ton of mm -hmm. uh, subprime mortgages that blew up um, pretty much all within one or two years, which caused mm -hmm. a huge domino effect. Um, mortgage, you know, uh, the mortgage guidelines got much stricter. And so we can't, you know, we can't give you stated arm loans anymore, uh, which is a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, uh, and, and, and now there's a, a ton of disclosure on if you do get any kind of arm, then mm -hmm. you are, you know exactly what you're getting into. And mm -hmm. um, so like the pressure on that side's gone, but affordability is, you know, it, it's becoming an issue in Denver. Um, mm -hmm. I'm assuming if Bangalore is anything like Sil Silicon Valley, then mm -hmm. affordability is becoming an issue there. Like even yes. if you are a software developer in Bangalore and you're making mm -hmm. really good money, uh, yeah. you're still outpaced by the market, right? Like it still doesn't yes, make sense to, to buy an apartment or a, you know, a condo or yes. a house there. Right. So, yes. So there is, you know, and so I don't know what the solution is that you guys are working through this, this kind of mm -hmm. sounds like Silicon Valley in the eighties, maybe, you know, where, um, a house that's near Meta or near Google campus is like, you know, $2.5 million. And it's just this, you know, one, it, it, it's a like 1200 square foot ranch that is, you know, in Denver, that would cost you maybe four or $500,000. And in the Midwest, that would cost you $200,000. But just by <laughs> virtue of being next to the Google campus, it's now mm -hmm. half million dollars. Yes. Um, so it's exactly. Uh, that, you know, the people who were put down roots and they were able to capitalize on that, mm -hmm. they're the ones that are doing good. If exactly. you, if you have to move to San Francisco or if you have mm -hmm. to move to Bangalore and try to, you know, buy a place right now, you're experiencing yeah. that top of the market insanity mm -hmm. and it's just extremely unaffordable. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I see affordability pushing and kind mm -hmm. of capping prices, but I mean, you have cities like, vancouver and hong kong and mm -hmm. they are just like it seems like there's just no limit to where like the like the prices yes. are going up and i don't know if it's just dumb you know dumb money that's coming in and they're okay with you know losing money on rent if they're mm -hmm. capturing uh depreciation or capturing any kind of offset or mm -hmm. they're they're banking on appreciation i don't mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the play is there because i don't have you know, millions of dollars to throw into Vancouver for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, to mm -hmm. me, it seems silly. And I'm sure in Bangalore, you guys are feeling mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. Like you're just your average person. If you sat yes. on your house that you've owned since the nineties, mm -hmm. you can cash yeah, out and go buy, mm -hmm. you know, go buy a house for cash in the suburbs or something. Mm -hmm. But yes, but if you, you know, if you're just got out of university 
and mm-hmm. you're trying to rent a place, uh, yes, I'm sure, you're I'm sure it's a nightmare, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's literally a screwed right now because, um, you know, as you said, there are uh, tech parks here, uh, business tech parks. Yep. And any residential like flat in an apartment, the rent is higher than the principal amount if you take a home loan right now. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of, you know, like crazy kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of like thing. And also, have you heard of a concept called of 10-minute cities? Ten, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Bangalore is one of those cities. Okay. So, people, I think it it's like government also enables people and rewards people not to leave the city. You know, okay. because if you left the city, you'd have to discount a lot of these accesses and amenities that you have. Like you'd have to give give it away. Sure. So I think that's like one of the leading facts why people want to just stick with cities rather than, you know, go to developing suburbans or, you know, just neighboring uh, smaller cities or districts. Right. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I've I've grew up in the suburbs my whole life, so I've never experienced, you know, walking down to the market and being able to walk to wherever you need to go. I can see a lot of, uh, you know, I, I have friends in New York who don't own a car and never got their driver's license because they just don't, there's no need to like owning mm-hmm. a car is a huge liability in New York and parking. It's crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. And so for them, uh, it, I, I could see where moving from, you know, New, Manhattan to, you know, New Jersey or something like that would just be a huge mm-hmm. shift because now you have to change your entire lifestyle around. So, yes. Uh, so yeah, I could totally see that being mm-hmm. uh, an issue for, you know, you're, you're, you're like trading that convenience for, yes. uh, for that higher price. But like, there's just a point where the higher price is just going to price out your average mm-hmm. worker, you know, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Because Anson right now in, in Bangalore, like there are, mobile apps through which you can order groceries or whatever you want. Oh, sure. And it will be delivered within 10 minutes. Yeah. Like otherwise it's free. And Oh, oh wow. <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it's good. If you look at it, yeah, you know, if, if someone's a senior citizen and they need something, you know, they can order, right? Yeah, yeah. There is a neighbor of mine. I don't want to name his name. That person ordered an iPhone 14 Pro Max to house to his home okay and it reached him within like eight minutes oh wow and i was like you know like this is the end of humanity now you know it cannot get better than this (laughs) (laughs) that is i yeah i i have a hard time wrapping my brain around how fast that is um Mm -hmm. you know we have because yeah um you know for example if you order an amazon you know if it takes a day or two to um you know like dispatch and deliver yeah you you have that kind of um, you know, like time frame. If you made an impulsive purchase, you could cancel it. That is true. That is very but true. But ten minutes, you're screwed. Like if you ordered a helicopter, if you ordered a private jet, it's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's no turning back from that, right? Yeah. Um. And that that is when it was like you know like ten minute city is not probably the best idea um, for a normal regular person. Yeah, I guess that like hyper consumerism just gets amplified to where yes. yeah i mean if if yeah i don't i don't even know what i would do if i ordered a new iphone and it just showed up 8 minutes later like mm-hmm. like i think that i mean i mean i have a i have a 13 year old son and it's always kind of a joke uh, in my head at least of like how much time we had to wait for things as a kid 
uh, even just like video games or something where, mm-hmm. you know, we would have to, you know, save up some money or, or earn some money, go down to the, like take, take our bike a couple miles to the game rental yes. store, mm-hmm. pick some random game that we've never heard of and hope it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and why and now... hope, hope your parents don't really find out about yeah. it and hope that game does not have any explicit content. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. That, that is always a, a risk as well because nobody um, nobody checked on those things back then. But yeah. uh, and then you know, and then you know, taking it back home and you only have like two or three days to play it, and then you have to take it back. And now you know, I watch my my son just can instantly download apps and like mm-hmm. there is no like that anticipation and waiting for things. It's kind of everything's yes. at your at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so just getting like an iPhone within you know eight minutes just seems insane. Like I kind of like that waiting period of like, okay, now I have time to back up my phone. I have like, okay, it's a week till it shows up. So I'm going to back up my phone. I'm going to like browse cases and make sure that I get mm-hmm. what I want. And you kind of like have yeah. this, this mental window to prepare mm-hmm. for something. But eight minutes is just like, oh, here it is. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're dealing with it. <laughs> yeah. And then your old iPhone's disposable or something, or yeah, you know, maybe they take it back for you. I don't know, but it's uh yeah, that, that yes. is insane. So Anson, the reason I bought it, like bought up this 10 minute city topic or, mm-hmm. you know, like this, this kind of, let's say the cloud chasing that we are behind instant gratification mm-hmm. um, is because I'm, I'm seeing this kind of interesting polarization in real estate investors. Um, you know, there is one, particular group who are like you know dave ramsey who say you know what any every purchase you make has to be all in cash you know like do not um you know go on debt right and at the same time there is another group of people who say you know what i'm going to leverage the existing you know houses that i have Mm -hmm. and you know like take out the max amount of debt to increase my net worth and hopefully in the long term i can convert it to hard cash Right. So Anson, in which group or, you know, in which, you know, like school of thought do you fall into? I, um, I definitely fall into that latter category of leverage is your friend. Um, there are, there are a lot of bank tools and a lot of bank products that, that can help you exponentially, you know, expand or, you know, kind of get, get to where you want to go versus, Mm -hmm the all cash approach. And, and honestly, you know, I I run a meetup group here in Denver. I get to meet with hundreds of investors every month and Mm -hmm. through Facebook and other avenues that um, Reddit and other places, it seems Mm -hmm. like, you know, the, the all cash investors, like the Dave Ramsey types are very few and far between, or they're super Mm -hmm. old school. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas almost everybody who's involved right now are taking leverage of some kind. Uh, in order to get deals done. Um, it's just that that all cash investor mm-hmm. is, uh, it, it's a rare bird for sure. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's just a whole different mindset as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, being able to save up, you know, $400,000 and then use all that on a purchase, that to me is kind of a foreign concept. I mean, I can buy like 10 properties at $40,000 down mm-hmm. for the same you know, that same outlay, um, mm-hmm. or I could take $40,000, put it into a property and then refinance that cash back out to use that same $40,000 on the next property. Mm-hmm. Like 
that makes more sense to my brain than just mm-hmm. putting it all down on one property. And then your, you know, your cash on cash return is much lower. Uh, you, but obviously you do have a lot of upsides. You have a ton of, mm-hmm. you have full equity and you could either sell or refinance mm-hmm. that cash back out or, uh, you know, a, a certain percentage of that cash back out. So, mm-hmm. um, my, my brain goes towards the leverage. I don't know if it's the right decision or not, but that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of, yes. so. because of course, you know, all cash in also insulates you to a certain level, uh, with economic downs and ups. Sure. So, um, you know, like, do you also think that these people who say all cash, like all in cash, no, no debt also come from a different like time period where real estate was more affordable than today? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I recently met kind of an old, you know, an, an older gentleman up in Wyoming, mm-hmm. uh, who is an all cash investor, everything mm-hmm. that he's, that he's done his whole career has been cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's in his mid seventies and every mm-hmm. purchase that he makes is, is in full cash. And his, his brain is still kind of in that older mentality of like houses should only cost this much. And so mm-hmm. any, you know, any deals that he's brought or uh, that's, you know, that are presented to him, he's like, you know, he's, he's very, very conservative on price. And so he doesn't win a lot of deals, but the ones that mm-hmm. he does win, they're good deals and he's paying mm-hmm. cash for them. So he's kind of doubly insulated there. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, to your question, I think that, yeah, it is kind of just a different, um, a different generation. Uh, but I have met younger, uh, you know, a, another friend of mine, Katie, she, uh, you know, her and her husband seem to play with the same, like $500,000, you know, they'll, they'll put it all in on a, on a flip. And when it mm-hmm. sells, they, they get that cash back out plus the profit and then they'll turn mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll you know, they'll put it all in on a rental and then they'll have it there for, you know, two or three years. Then they'll sell that and they'll, you know, get that cash back and they'll kind of just play with that same amount of money over and over again. And she's in her thirties. So Mm -hmm. it's not just a generational thing. I it's some people are just have that mindset. Um, and yeah, the, the older guys, they got away with it because they were buying houses in the eighties for, you know, 60 grand. And that just doesn't exist anymore, at least out here. Got it. Because even in, even in India, I see a lot of people, you know, like who are cash investors who are like, I'm going to touch it with a shitload of cash or I'm not going to even look at it. Right. And I, t- because I, I was, because I'm young, I'm just 27 right now. Okay. So, um, you know, I was like very much like you, I'm like, you know, like leverage the shit out of that house and keep moving on. Yeah. Um, so answer my question is like, how do you manage risk? Um, you know, like the risk management topic of, you know, when you're leveraging so many real estate properties, Yeah. how do you balance that kind of negative impact out of the, you know, like the theory or the formula? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for me, I look at it in a couple of ways. One is, you know, on the, like the, the old adage in real estate investing is that you make money when you buy. You know, you don't, you're not making money when you rent or when you sell, like if mm-hmm. you buy it right, that's where you actually make your money. And so, mm-hmm. um, finding deals is a huge part of our ethos is, you know, find the best deals possible. Um, that, that mitigates a ton of risk right there. Cause you're not, 
you're not leveraged to a hundred percent. We're, we're never leveraged to a hundred percent, obviously. Um, so if we're finding good deals that insulates our risk right there. And, mm-hmm. and of course that, that can be not, not just the price. Like I can buy, go and buy a $10,000 crack house, uh, mm-hmm. in the Midwest. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's a, that doesn't mean it's a good deal. Cause it, it doesn't take into the factors of like, what's going on in the city. Is there economic growth? Is there job growth? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I like to factor all that into, you know, the purchase, but mm-hmm. so you're, you're buying it for, you know, for a discount. And then on the, on the analysis part in order mm-hmm. to mitigate risk, we'll underwrite that deal in three or four different ways for exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not just banking, you know, other, I have, clients and friends and people who in the kind of Airbnb short-term rental boom, mm-hmm. they would buy a property that would, and it would only make sense if it could Airbnb, like it's an expensive property and then mm-hmm. they, they need the most amount of rent possible, which is a, mm-hmm. which it would be a short-term rental would get you the maximum amount of cash flow. That's mm-hmm. the only way that deal would work. Now what mm-hmm. happens if something way out of your control, like a legislation or regulation change means that mm-hmm. no Airbnb Airbnbs are allowed in Denver anymore. Yeah. Now, now what happens? Now you're screwed. So mm-hmm. we underwrite deals with like three or four exit strategies where if, uh, you know, if, if we're buying it to keep, we'll, we'll definitely underwrite it with a long-term rental. Does it make sense that the long-term rental uh, numbers, you know, somebody's going to go in there for a year long lease, um, make sure that the numbers work there. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll underwrite it as the, you know, midterm rental or room by room rental. Those are kind of the mid tier on cash flow, mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll underwrite it. Of course, a short term rental, if the regulations allow for it. Um, mm-hmm. And then that way we, we know kind of each step in the process. Like if we're going to start at a short term rental, we mm-hmm. know that if the laws change, well, midterm rentals and room by room rentals are okay. And so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll step down in cash flow on 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 each way down but making sure that that bedrock that long-term mm-hmm. rental cash flow still makes sense it, it still underwrites the deal now if we have to sell it mm-hmm. we're we're also looking at that exit strategy as well of okay if we buy it for you know 200 we put mm-hmm. in fifty thousand dollars and on repairs mm-hmm. and then what is that property actually worth you know mm-hmm. can we sell it for 300 and or can we sell it and get all of our money back out at least? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously there's factors of like a falling market or and stuff like that. Thankfully the market doesn't act like the stock market and just change overnight. There are signs of when things are slowing down or things are turning down. And so you have probably a three to six month window. If you are paying attention to the market in order to get out intact before mm-hmm it just starts, you know, falling off a cliff. If, if that's the case, there's, there's always kind of a, you know, uh, things that are happening in the market to kind of predict that. Mm-hmm. So, so we're underwriting it in, in numerous ways so that we know if uh, we, we know all of our exits, we know where all the exits are on the plane and we're not mm-hmm. just relying on that front exit on the plane. And if there's a fire in the aisle, we're just going to go mm-hmm. down with the plane. <laughs> like, like we're, uh, oh, okay. we're, we're screwed. Um, so mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're trying to mitigate all that risk through not only finding, you know, really good deals in good areas, but we're also mm-hmm. mitigating that risk and having like four or five <laughs> exits out of that mm-hmm. deal. If, if we mm-hmm. need to, um, Got it. and that, that helps us with 
uh, you know, just just that risk factor in knowing that if mm-hmm. we're going to take on the liability of of being leveraged, then we might mm-hmm. as well have multiple ways that we can can get out of the deal or change this change the strategy of the deal, and mm-hmm. it still works. It's the guys right. who go in with just one strategy and, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like those are the guys who seem to always get caught um, with their pants mm-hmm. down, so to speak. So, got it. So, Anson, for those people who who don't really want to invest, but you know they want to have a house of their own in the future. Yeah. So, let's say you know they are making a good income. How much percentage after deducting their taxes and expenses and so on? Um, you know, uh, how much percentage of their income should the you know like home loan premium be? Um. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good question. The I mean the the lenders at least in the states they'll they'll underwrite you at like uh 50% um mm-hmm. of your pay going towards housing expense. Mm-hmm. Um you know I think that it's smarter to keep it lower than that if if possible mm-hmm. or offset it in a certain in a way. So kind of with that multiple exit strategies I think that at least you know we, we were talking about affordability earlier. Mm-hmm. Um if you can if you can offset that debt mm-hmm. to income ratio by you know it here we have a term called house hacking which is kind of you know you you buy uh, you buy a property that either has multiple units or it has mm-hmm. you know if you're young and you're just coming from like a roommate situation um mm-hmm. a lot of these guys they'll buy a house you know that's kind of at the top of their range. Uh, they can mm-hmm. obviously still afford it with debt to income and all that stuff, but they'll buy something at the top of their range. They're young; they're not married yet. Um, they're they're you know kind of in that phase of life. They'll rent mm-hmm. out the other rooms in the property. Mm-hmm. So if it's a four bedroom, they'll live in one, rent out two or three of the other rooms, and mm-hmm. that'll that'll go a long way to offsetting, you know, a huge part of their uh, their housing expense. Um, mm-hmm. They're uh, if you can buy a duplex, live in one side and rent the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have clients, I have friends. Um, I have people who have been on my podcast who are, mm-hmm. who are fully offsetting their entire housing payment just because mm-hmm. they bought, you know, like a duplex in Denver right now is probably about 600,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can, if you can swing that, if you can actually mm-hmm. afford that, getting into that and living in one side and and you can Airbnb the other side legally. And so mm-hmm. the income from that is going to not only pay off, pay your mortgage every month, but it'll give you mm-hmm. cash in your pocket as well. And so any way that you can, that you can offset that amount, there are, um, I have clients who, you know, they've, they've just bought a suburban house, but it has like an mm-hmm. extra concrete pad on the side of the house mm-hmm. and their uncle needs a place to store their RV and their mm-hmm. their uncle's going to pay them two hundred dollars a month to park their RV, you know, in their yard mm-hmm. or you know, in their backyard, and that offsets, you know, their insurance that might offset mm-hmm. their, uh, you know, that their uh, their taxes or something for the month. And so there's a lot of ways, and there are even apps now. We were talking about apps earlier, but there's apps where mm-hmm. if you have extra storage space, like let's say I have mm-hmm. a ten by ten area of my garage, I can mm-hmm. actually sell that space on the app. And people mm-hmm. can use it like a storage unit and they'll pay me mm-hmm. every month to use space that I'm not using. And so there, there's a lot of ways to kind of offset that. But when mm-hmm. affordability is becoming a, an issue, 
mm-hmm. being able to offset any of your housing payment is uh, mm-hmm. is going to be a huge benefit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So would you say like, you know, like 30 to 40 percent of a person's income would be uh, enough or, you know, like that should be the target of a common person? I think so. Yeah, I think I think you're still really safe at, you mm-hmm. know, at 40%. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. like 50% seems, <laughs> it seems kind of crazy that they'll lend up to 50% of mm-hmm. your debt to income. But, um, but yeah, 30, 40%, I think is, is conservative these days, mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, I think it's very it. safe. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and how long do you think should be the tenure of the home loan? Like 10 oh. years, 18 years, you know, sure. like freaking 99 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I'd be interested to, to know how loans are structured there. Cause I know it's different everywhere, but, um, mm-hmm. here typically a 30 year mortgage is the, the standard. If you want 15, they'll do 15 and, um, you have a lower interest rate, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just started pushing 40, not pushing, but there, <laughs> yes. there, there are 40 year products uh-huh. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, honestly, anybody who who's jumped on that train yet, but uh, I I I know a few people. Okay, yeah, and <clears throat> I mean they're they're available, and you you know mm-hmm. kind of like car loans, they went from four years to five years to seven years, and you know uh, you're like, oh, that payment's lower, you know, and you mm-hmm. don't care about those extra couple years, but uh, yeah, <laughs> and and you know um, I do have another client who who got a jumbo loan, and he did a. Um, he did a five-year arm on that one. And mm-hmm. so uh, he got, uh, he uh, refinanced it, thankfully, before the the rates started going way up. But mm-hmm. he saw the writing on the wall there and was able to get it out. But <laughs> uh, but I would say, mm-hmm. like, here in the States, 30 years is, is probably pretty, pretty safe. If you can swing 15 years, if you can actually do that, that's great. Mm-hmm. If 30 years is the payment that makes sense, then do mm-hmm. that. But I would also as an agent, I recommend to my clients, I go, look, mm-hmm. if you get an extra bonus, if you get an extra, you know, uh, amount each, uh, each year, mm-hmm. make one extra payment mm-hmm. towards your mortgage like it. Mm-hmm. and it saves, it saves you like seven years on your interest over mm-hmm. the, over the life of the loan. And so yeah, one extra payment, we're talking, you know, two, three, $4,000 or whatever, Per mm-hmm. year, uh, can save you seven years, and you still get to get that thirty-year, you know, loan payment. Then mm-hmm. I, I think I think something like that is is worth it as well. So, mm-hmm. and I don't I, I don't know uh, I I've heard of the ninety-nine year uh, loan, but uh, mm-hmm. is that an India thing or is that a? Uh, um, no, that's more of an African thing. Africa, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, in India, it's like you know, eighteen years is like uh, pretty average. Okay. Anything above like 2022 20, is like very rare. Like people are very scared of going into long-term you know, debt. Okay. And yeah, with, with 18 years being the average mortgage, mm-hmm. I could kind of see how that housing payment would be like a, a shock, <laughs> at least for mm-hmm. an, Ameri- yeah. an American that's used to 30 years. You'd be like, mm-hmm. ooh, 18 years, that's a, that's a high payment. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an aggressive plan here okay. um, that people take. Um, yeah, but one thing here is, you know, like people don't have uh, student debt. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like Americans have, we don't have student debts, you know, like, 
uh, we don't have to sell our soul to a bank to get educated here yeah yeah no kidding like that plays into that particular role yeah and it, and that is interesting that like the offset right of that upfront uh paid for college now lets mm-hmm. those younger people get into the market much sooner um i would think that that would be a net benefit to to the you know a consumer society right mm-hmm. I yeah i mean it's very rare that people get into debt here student debt especially right uh, it it might be like in a very high like if you are like top 100 doctor in india like something like that like something that's a crazy position and you know it takes a lot of education right and even those people are not into that much into debt where you know they can be like broken like in terms of financially like disabled kind of people it's it, it fortunately that's not the situation here as of now that's yeah that i wish that that was the situation here because that would be that would make things a lot easier for young people trying to get started off and mm-hmm. doing their getting you know, yes. getting their first job and being able to mm-hmm. afford apartments and houses and yeah. whatever else they're looking to do mm-hmm. yeah because my niece was studying in new jersey okay um, i think she was in second standard and her one year like school fee it was equivalent to my whole like bachelor degrees expense oh wow okay <laughs> jeez <laughs> that is uh that that is that's yeah i i i i never took on student debt i had one year i went to college for one year and then uh went into the workforce but um mm-hmm. but yeah i have you know friends in their 30s and 40s that are still paying off their you know their student debt it just never seems to never seems to go away it feels like mm-hmm. you know what made me sad today um on reddit there is a subreddit called as poverty finance yes uh, uh, yeah i think so- someone posted that they're 62 years old and they just paid their last uh, student debt premium 62 oh my yeah, god yeah i was like damn wow <laughs> like wow. you could have died with that um, you know like debt if you did not manage it properly yeah that is uh wow <laughs> 62 man i can i can imagine <laughs> paying that for 40 you know 40 plus years mm-hmm. that's insane yeah Wow. I think that's the kind of main difference within United States and Indian market. Um, but also we don't have a lot of Chinese investors here investing in real estate. Yeah. <laughs> um honest I mean here in here in Denver we we don't have a a huge influx of of uh foreign investors but mm-hmm. we have you know we have hedge funds that are buying up properties and so it yeah. feels like we have the same pressures as uh kind of dumb money buying you know for dumb prices and uh <laughs> you know and then they'll they'll fail and then they'll turn around and want to be bailed out for some reason but <laughs> that'll be yeah that that's a weird thing right like a government is ready to bail them out whenever they they end up uh, in trouble yeah yeah it, it doesn't make sense at all right it's like they're they're privatizing the the profits and then they're mm-hmm. they're uh you know the they're subsidizing the the losses and it just doesn't seem i i can maybe understand like on a huge banking you know a huge banks that fail uh you know that taking down the whole market it makes sense to intervene but i mean mm-hmm. on 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 something like speculative like uh like hedge fund investing in real estate 
there yeah there definitely shouldn't be bailouts for that guy for sure yeah <laughs> because i have never stepped foot in united states like i have never visited united states or anything even for me sitting so far this system of bailing you know financial institutions whenever they shoot themselves in the foot because of their ego or you know inflated right um, you know greed it looks it you know it looks kind of like a circus yeah. because everybody knows like it it's like it's like um you know like like a joker performing yet everybody is you know like praising them for acting very good like it does not make sense like yeah i i would totally agree with you on that on that point because it's uh everybody kind of knows <laughs> you know that it's that they should fail and that mm-hmm. You know, I think Iceland and maybe some of the Scandinavian countries, they, any banks that failed, they just let them fail. And then, you know, the, the banks and the, the things that came up out of the ashes were mm-hmm. better regulated and, and maybe more conservative and not as, you know, taking risks that, that would, would cause them to fail. And it feels like here, you know, mm-hmm. we have this, this, you know, like, taking those risks is, is seen as a virtue and, mm-hmm. <laughs> but failing is, you know, failing just seems to be part of the equation too. I mean, if you look at, you know, I, I hate to be kind of stereotypical here, but if you look at somebody like, you know, Donald Trump before he became president was, mm-hmm. you know, bankrupt multiple times. And that's mm-hmm. just not seen as a, you know, a detrimental failure. It's just a part of business. It's just a part of like, yes. well, I took these risks uh, mm-hmm. and then I'm able to get out of all the debt for those risks by signing some papers. And now I'm, you know, now that that company is bankrupt, I can go on and still raise money. I can, nobody sees it, sees it as a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just can, can kind of continue on and, and still do business without the stigma of, oh, this guy lost a ton of money. It's seen as, no, this guy risked it um, and we're going to praise him for risking it. But then we'll also just lend him more money after he goes bankrupt. Like it, it is it is a very weird system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because in India, uh, for example, if a smaller bank is failing, um, <clears throat> government instructs other you know financial institutions to take over that particular bank. Right. And um, public banks are heavily, heavily regulated. Yes. Like, <clears throat> sorry, um, you know, the amount of reserves that they have to maintain and um, the percentage of risk that those banks banks can take, public banks, it's, it's very, like, regulated and very tight. So it's not like, you know, like, we are here, like, you know, like, take risks and we can bail you out. It it looks like you know like United States is the only country where that is happening maybe yeah but I'm just an ignorant piece of shit so I don't <laughs> I don't know um, a lot but, um, but yeah like this um, you know Ford being bailed out like as if they are the only car manufacturer in the world right like in you know it's it's just blatant and you know like a daylight robbery of you know hard paid taxes of people right um, for no reason. And I think, I mean, I like the spirit of a bailout makes sense on a sort of an altruistic level, if you can call it that, I guess. But, you know, you're, if you're talking about like, okay, we're, we're going to bail out GM and they have, you know, 10 plants and, and there's, you know, uh, 
4,000 people working at, a, at each plant. You know, you're, you're talking about like, okay, well, in order to not decimate these entire economies in these 10 areas and those 40,000 people, you know, the, the, the government and, and what, I, I guess on one positive point, you know, in, in that instance is that the government basically loaned the money mm-hmm. to the, you know, to GM and GM ended up paying it back with interest over the course of mm-hmm. the next five, seven, 10 years, whatever it was. But it wasn't just money thrown into a hole. It was kind of like, well, the government's now going to come back your investment and make sure that it's back on track. And then they'll realize that money back with, with interest. That's kind of interesting because, you know, that kind of sounds like a, you know, a more social or social uh, program (laughs) that Mm -hmm. most Americans absolutely like detest. Like if you talk about free college, Mm -hmm. half of Americans would just be like, what? Like, like they, like that's insane to them, (laughs) but they'll, they'll look at a GM bailout and they'll be like, Oh, well, they saved 40,000 jobs. They didn't decimate those 10 communities. And now Mm -hmm. you have all this unemployment, those areas, which would totally just wreck those communities. Um, and the bank, you know, and obviously the bank or not the bank, the, uh, the car company paid back the, the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. in that case, it makes sense, but there have been bailouts where it's just kind of like, we're Stupid. going to throw a bunch of money at this. <laughs> another, another corporation is going to come in and acquire those assets for pennies on the dollar. And then mm-hmm. we'll just pat ourselves on the back and move on with our lives. But, uh, yeah. but like in the case of where like, they're kind of the banks or the, the government's coming in and propping them up with loans and kind of becoming their partner in it. Um, in those cases, it seems like those instances have worked out, I guess. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but Anson, I think, I think that in any democratic country yeah, and as advanced as we think we are, like we assume we are right. Mm-hmm. Yet our representative, you know, like people or le- so-called leaders Right. are still allowed to trade oh yeah <clears throat> that it is that is that something that happens in india as well no not not that much okay but okay. here you know like politicians just open their own shell companies and just run it um, okay but they're not actively interfering in a market manipulating stocks directly and you know like putting options and uh, you know puts in place and trading right. it that's not happening fortunately here well, that's good. Uh, we have, uh, you know, obviously we have rules against some of that, but not, not nearly enough. I mean, if you can come in, if you can come out of a closed door hearing as a senator and mm-hmm. kind of know that a bank or a company is, you know, failing or that there's news that are, that's coming down that's going to be extremely, you know, detrimental to that company. Mm-hmm. there's really nothing that they can do if you just call up your wife and just say like, Hey, um, you know, put in this order with our, mm-hmm. with your stockbroker. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, and they, they, they can profit kind of massively off yeah. of the, that insider information, which is pretty crazy. Like uh-huh. some of that's illegal, but there are definitely ways that they can get around it, which is pretty crazy. I, I don't know which like gen, uh, journal house published it, but I think like, Last year, I read it that on on an average term of a congressman, their stocks return go up to 673%. Oh my gosh. I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> yes. Tomorrow, you need to start running. Yeah, I'm going to run. A, for a, run. At least for a mayor. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, mayors don't they they don't seem to be that that uh that, that well off, but the uh mm-hmm. the Yeah, but it would it would give you the opportunity to you know kiss babies and Oh, that that's you know, true. Yeah. <laughs> hold hands. That's right. Work work my way up to the Senate. <laughs> yeah, slow you know play the slow game. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah. Knows? Probably by 2030 you could be the next president. That well, yeah, I don't, I definitely have not cut out for that. Um, but I could, mm-hmm. I could be a, you know, a state representative. You know, that's kind of, mm-hmm. that that's kind of low key. And yeah, although I wouldn't want to go through an election cycle every two years, that just sounds like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still remember, I still remember this Mark Zuckerberg's um, like public hearing where th- where they were asking him questions about Google, okay, and you know, like how to operate phone. And and there was this, you know, clear like, um, you know, like surprise in his face, right? Because you know he is like clearly a robot, like you know he does not, you know, like display emotions, and even he was like, you know, like the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, definitely the those uh those older um older politicians, you know, that who who mm-hmm. they'll be on a tech committee and they you know, they don't know how to operate their laptop. So it's like, what are they, yeah. you know, what are they doing? And I think, I think China just had something like that too, where, um, or no, it was, uh, I think it was either, it, it was Japan or South Korea where like, their like tech minister, like doesn't even own a computer. And it's like, they, you know, they, I, it, just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to yeah. regulate these things and they have no idea like how it works, like insanity. Yes, and <laughs> I I still remember a senator asked Mark Zuckerberg like, "How does Facebook know where I am?" <laughs> and he was like, um, "Congressman, you you do use an iPhone, right?" And he was like, "Yes." And he said, "You have your location on twenty four seven. Like we don't have to even know where you are. Your you know your mobile phone by itself tells us where you are." Right. And he was like. Then you are taking my location without my, you know, like permission. Yeah. Uh, sorry, without my consent. And, you know, like Zuckerberg smiled and said, you know, that's why you sign a three-page uh, terms and conditions when yep. you <laughs> sign up for Facebook. <laughs> Nobody reads those, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, um, you know, Anson, the the good thing for me is, um, like, I think, I think like a week ago, government of India passed a bill um, where if you download an app on your mobile phone or on your computer you could ask ask the provider to give you details of all the information that they have collected on you oh okay and they're required to give it like and that information that that they're giving you is government audited like you know like government um, you know the it cell really looks at it and says are you giving him everything that you have collected or not that is that is really cool I think uh, it's kind of like the truth in advertising on a nutrition label or something like that. Like, you know, everything that's in that drink or that food that you're mm. buying. Yeah. But, but on the tech side, that makes it, that makes a lot of sense. Like if, if I knew that TikTok was like taking my temperature when I was like trying to unlock my phone or something like that, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I would want, I would want to know that. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, like in India, India was one of those first countries who banned TikTok, like in 2019. Okay. They're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like you're yeah. banned. And, so, and they're still banned <clears throat> there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. TikTok um, can never come back. <laughs> that's probably, 
really good for the youth of India. Yes. <laughs> Honestly. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, um, I mean, with the amount of crazy people we have here. Yeah. It 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 definitely was a good thing. Yeah. Is there something? Is there something that's like it that's kind of taken the place of that for that short form, like instant gratification content? Like yeah, uh, they they're like you know two three apps, but they're really struggling. Okay. Because they're built in India, so by law they cannot like you know like uh, you know like steal your data and all these things. Sure, like, sure. There are very hard um, set of rules and boundaries that they have to play within. Sure. So they are not able to leverage as much as TikTok did or TikTok, uh, you know, still does in other countries. Yeah. So are they doing we, like uh, Instagram reels or is anything like that that's kind of taking off there or? Like yeah. So it's popular? like, you know, InShorts is an app uh, <clears throat> which is into short term content. It's like, you know, do you remember this Vine? Uh, Vines before, yeah, Vine. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. During YouTube. Yep. I do. Yeah. It is. It is so similar to that right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Vine was an interesting one. It was like 15 mm-hmm. seconds max or something like that. It was yeah, yeah. crazy. Um, they started with, I think, like 10 seconds. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which is so, it's so crazy to think about. Um, yeah. You know, I did not know the reason. Like, I'm into digital marketing. Okay. So I always wondered, like, was it by default that they were going for that 10 second mark or 9 second mark? Turns out, no, it was not any scientifically based thing. It was just that they wanted to save space. Okay. Yeah. They could not spend too much on servers. So they are like, you know, like 10 seconds for you, 10 seconds for you. Yeah. I mean, if you look at how much just YouTube has on mm-hmm. has on storage, yeah. like I could imagine that getting out of control really fast. But yeah, it, because in, in YouTube, every one second uh, the time passes, there is seven minutes of content uploaded. That's so insane, man. It is so yeah. so crazy, and I feel like Vine was maybe just before its time. Like if yes, if, yes, exactly. If they came out like right at the same time or right before TikTok came out, they would mm-hmm. have just taken over. Uh, yeah, which is uh, I think that they were just too like people weren't ready for ten seconds. Like now, mm, yeah, it's mandatory. Like <laughs> <laughs> anything under a minute is does does really well. So, mm-hmm. uh, but but you yeah. you said you're in uh, digital marketing. Yes, so I've been working in digital marketing for seven years. Oh wow! I run my own, um, you know, like social media strategy firm called as Social Strat. Very nice. Yeah. Where do you have a, um, or like who is your typical uh, client? Like uh, small... real estate and educational firms. Oh, okay. Educational institutions. Uh-huh. All based in India, or are they worldwide? No, no. Majority of them are in the United States and some are in Australia, New Zealand, and now a few Middle East clients too. Okay. And these are, um, these are like real estate agents or, or companies? No, firms. Or firms. So uh, firms, brokerages. consultants. Okay. Yeah. It, but, you know, real estate is majority and minority is educational institutions. Okay. Um, oh. Like, you know, like those universities who offer um, summer programs and all these things. Nice. Okay. And, and on the real estate side, I mean, what's the, what's the kind of content that, that they're typically putting out for your <clears throat> clients? The short term works okay. really, really well. Like people don't understand that. Like, um, there was one listing. I don't want to name the city. It was for $4.3 million. Okay. And 
they were like you know like this is a very high end client you know high end property with our high end client so we want people to directly visit and experience and all those things yeah and we were like guys like don't like reinvent the wheel it's already out there just put a short content um you know just just the 60 second home tour yeah and somebody from i think from cambodia or some country bought that property oh, wow <laughs> he saw that off instagram he was like you know like i really like it and uh, they were really like confidential with the pricing they were like you know like we don't want to tell it 4.2 we want to maybe you know over hype it to 5 or you know like 5.5 pro- possibly um, all these things and we were like no like you know like why the fuck are you like faking it right because right. it's not something it's something that you you know you want to show but it's like you know i bought a ferrari for 100 billion dollars no one is going to trust me <laughs> right yeah 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 so it's like you know like you won't believe that that particular reel it converted into sales within like 4 hours that's i i honest and the that property was in the us Yes it's in, it's in a, it's in US in a major city and you know you know how that guy got into the contacts he was he just commented like interested really like just a freaking generic um, you know like dm not even a dm sorry a comment wow not even a dm not even like a like like hey i want to you know i want to no no nothing nothing or call he, or, he wow. was he was just like interested and um, you know that <clears throat> because we force our clients to um and engage with each and every person be it spammy or scammy or whatever it is right 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 because then it makes algorithm favor you because you uh-huh. have higher response rate and quicker response rate and okay. they were like hi um you know like anson how are you doing you know how can we help you today we saw that you saw this property and you commented on it yeah and he was like yeah like this is my number just call me up and you know like one of their sales person just called out and um, you know he did not even want to look at the property he was like you know i have a consideration uh, in canada like you know he will come down and you know he will deal with it wow. so it was it was that quick but you know like that's the power of social media people think you know you know somebody somebody told me do you think the billionaires are or are on social media all the time and i was like i think so <laughs> yeah i mean um i don't i think everybody from every you know demographic is is definitely glued to it but that is definitely yeah. the first story that i've heard of a you know especially mm-hmm. a high end listing like that being basically sold on on instagram on the you know mm-hmm. 60 60 yeah i mean and that's, that's like one of one of the few stories but um you know like even in india right i had a client um who was into apartments so he had this i think 400 and some unit like 420 or 438 or i don't remember the exact number like 400 plus units in that apartment and it was during covid like where he got but fucked yeah 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 <laughs> you know he had he, he had leverage his other things too much and he was going under so he was like i need, I need to sell this and he was like personally calling each and every real estate mogul he knows and he was like do you want to buy it and buy it and buy it and nobody was like you know yes or whatever right and fortunately a a bank they were looking for um, you know like residential uh, houses for their employees like oh. you know they gift for like in india it's like if you work in in a bank for 20 25 years they will give to you a house or a flat wow that's pretty because you have been so loyal you know like yeah and also it it's a nice way of for them to evade tax <laughs> so yes. uh, you know 
he posted it on facebook because actually he did not like i posted it on facebook saying um a 400 plus units um you know like bulk sale right now something like i don't remember the exact thing and like within four days he got a call from a major bank saying you know like we, we would like to talk to you and you would not believe they just bargained for five percent like of the total price wow. they bought it Jeez, wow that is uh that, that really makes you rethink kind of the strategy on on some of those things on on uh, most well the, the the super smart people are on on instagram and and facebook and doing things there mm-hmm. but you wouldn't think like intuitively of posting a four four million dollar property and then having somebody from cambodia who's gonna buy it you know who who's mm-hmm. like that's just so counter counterintuitive that um that yeah that those those kind of stories are amazing and i uh yeah, I, I love to hear it because it sounds like you've had success in that realm and, and actually tangible of just not just like, oh, yeah, I got, you know, some clients off of my full marketing package and who knows where it came from. But you're like, mm-hmm. I can track this $4 million sale to this yeah. comment that just said interested or I yeah, can, that's you know, all. yeah, or I, I can track a 420 unit sale to this mm. one Facebook post like that is yes. like those metrics are insane. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Because Ansen right now in Middle East, um, it's like this short form has picked up like very, very, very quickly and very fast. Yeah, they're like, do you want a ten million dollar home in Burj Khalifa? Like, come, come, visit us. You know, like this is the home tour there. And I see in Western countries they are very like you know confidential. They're like, this is serious. This is this is a three million dollar property. Right. I'm like, fuck you. There are people out there who are selling ten plus million dollars of property on Instagram with reels. It is true because the the higher in price you go, and if you go up to commercial properties, mm-hmm. uh, kind of this more like they act less like real estate agents and they act more like uh, like personal brokers of like, well, let me call yeah. the you know the, the 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 ten you know super high end rich people that I know mm-hmm. uh, in, yeah. or, in order to get this sold. Whereas mm-hmm. somebody like you is just like, nah, let's let's put it on Instagram, <laughs> like, let's yeah, let's sell it there because it because it should you know, get some traction or it might even just sell outright, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Th- th- there is a content creator in South Korea. I don't remember his name. Um, so he, he got like too much money, I think. Okay. I think he got like 4 million. He earned like four or $5 million in a year. Oh, geez. He, he's like an iconic streamer. Yeah. Because he's, he's one of those dudes who are like, you know, like my viewers decide my life. Okay. Okay. Like, have you looked, have you looked at that genre? I I haven't spent a lot of time there, but I know the concept. Mm-hmm. So they they kind of like decide things for him or decide like things. Yeah, that, that literally everything. Literally right. everything. Everything. So wow. Everything like what you eat to when you take shit and you know like oh literally everything. <laughs> yeah, you can donate and you can make him do whatever you want, like that kind of thing. And he he bought a broken down like an old like World War Two. Um, uh, what do they call it as? The domes. Um, I can't remember the name. The apocalypse domes. You know, like when oh yeah, like the bunker. world goes to shit. Yeah, exactly, like a bunker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 bought a random bunker in New Zealand for two point eight million dollars. <clears throat> yeah, because you know, like he he asked, like, what what would you want me to buy? A good house for my family or a fucking broke, broken down bunker? Oh. And people like, you know, like, fuck your family. You know, yeah, to bunker. you're going to go live in a bunker now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
you know, like those kind of crazy people live on social media too. Yes. And especially, you know, like, of course you are in real estate, man. Like I, I think you can, you understand that majority of de- these decisions are still taken by women. Yes. Yeah. The oh. fi- final, you know, like the person who gives the green signal is a woman. Yes, absolutely. And guess where all this, you know, like, um, you know, like housewives are. Yeah, they're on social. Day. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, dude. That's all. Like, you know, like you have to look at aesthetics and all these things. That does that does make a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. I saw I saw you one of your reels where you used um, ChatGPT. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I was messing around with. Um, I have a friend of mine who's who does a startup and he does some social media management, but he's uh, mm-hmm. he was really trying to like push me out out of my own comfort zone to just to do something different and mm-hmm. um and yeah that's that's where that one reel came from on chat gpt yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was real interesting dude no i'm, I'm pretty sure that must have bought you some kind of traction right in social media i <clears throat> see I've, I've always thought of like a social media strategy as mm-hmm. uh a little bit less tangible it's kind of like this um grain of sand in a, in a, in an hourglass type, type scenario where it just kind of drips, it drips on people, but you can never almost tangibly point to, you know, point to one thing and say, I got that client from that one thing Mm -hmm. where you're, you're kind of blowing my mind because obviously that's a, that's a little bit different. Actually, you know what? I do have a story where where you can point to one thing and I got tangible, (laughs) tangible money from it, but Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, that particular reel, not so much. I got some, like, I, I got, I had some friends and people who, um, who saw it, who, who sent me a message or something on, on how they liked it. Uh, but mm-hmm. nothing, nothing that was like tangible for business and it wasn't mm-hmm. meant to be, it was just meant to be fun, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, like you're, 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 you're making me think a little bit differently, I guess, about social strategy. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, I think even the, like. Um, you know the thumbnail for that particular reel that's also intriguing i i don't even remember what i put as the thumbnail huh it's it's like the it's like a mannequin standing with one knee in the air and and you to the left of it yeah 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 like that's a good content dude like that is something that i would watch definitely nice i I think I... i think the only like part was your captions maybe uh, like a little bit less, like way too small. Oh, too small. Sure. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think that was my first time. Um, I I like to mess with things that you know, keep me creative, you know, creatively excited. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I was messing with uh, I think CapCut on that front. I don't know mm-hmm. if you do. You, well, CapCut's owned by TikTok, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know if you guys get it out there, but um, but <clears throat> I have seen it. I have seen it. Just people use it all the time. Easier to use than Premiere Pro, so. <laughs> oh, Premiere Pro sucks. Ah. <laughs> My God, I have worked in this industry for seven years. Yeah. And <clears throat> whenever people say like, you know, like I, I I edit in Premiere Pro. Yeah. Any Adobe tool, I'm like, yeah. You don't. You You're don't... just a rich brat. Like you don't <laughs> oh. have any actual skills. Like. Do you um? So are you like a DaVinci guy or what do you do? No, I, I, I know Premiere Pro, I know, I know DaVinci, I know like um, KineMaster, every shit software that you can think of, I've tried it. Okay. Um, but yeah, dude, it's like, you know, like 
um it's like driving a driving like like a mustang at the same time driving like a prius right like it has two different sure um, purposes for it sure now premier pro is not something that you and me would use on a daily basis because it's useless i i mean <clears throat> i guess i use it mainly because it's the only thing i know how to use uh, i know davinci would probably be pretty easy to move over to but mm-hmm. um but I have a sunk cost fallacy, man. I, I have a ton of like plugins and stuff that I use mm-hmm. and yeah. I can't get away from it. <laughs> so how much do you pay per month for it? Well, so that's the thing. So I just, um, um, I, uh, they, they do have a student, uh, okay. student mm-hmm. rate. Got it. So Got my, it. my son owns my license uh, mm-hmm. and I pay, I think $13 a month, which isn't bad. Damn. Damn. Yeah. So it's it's better than that sixty dollars that they that they mm. charge for that full price. Um, yeah. After effect, and then I do sucks, you but... know I do like per <laughs> month like I think like two master classes for startup and you know small business owners. Okay. Yeah. And anybody who says I want to spend money, I'm like fuck you, you're stupid. Like. <laughs> okay. Stop spending money until your first million dollars. Like that's my like mantra. Okay. Yeah. I I, I don't let my friends spend money, dude. Like honestly i'm like please don't do it like it's not useful it's not worth it for you you're just wasting money yeah because you see here is what happens right because you as a business owner yeah maybe have 60 hours in a week to work on the business right even if you are full-time and you probably have 10 hours of absolute concentration work that you can do sure because after that it's just work you're not concentrated sure i yeah, so, I agree with that I'm like, you know, once you pay it, once you pay like $20 to a software, that's on your consciousness. You're like, oh my God, I have used $20 on this software. Now I need to use it everywhere. <laughs> and I need to I need to master it, right? Right. And in the process of mastering one dumb software, which would be probably outdated in the next two years, you are missing out on whole, you know, like load of world. Sure. Yeah, it's a... That is a good concept. I mean, I think that I could probably outsource some of that stuff. I don't know how you feel about that versus, you know, obviously paying for a, you know, for a monthly thing. But if I need like, you know, if I need a video edited, I can either sit mm-hmm. down and do it for two hours plus pay the, you know, pay the Premiere Pro price. Mm-hmm. Or I can send it off for three, I don't know how much it costs, 300 $400, something like that for maybe a 30, 40 minute video. Um and so yeah, I'm I'm probably mm-hmm. to the point where I could outsource that. Um, yeah, but I do. I think you I could you could, you could benefit from having VAs like virtual assistants. Yeah, VAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's the best thing because you're just paying them hourly. Yeah, and even if they took like four hours to edit thirty minute video, you are still good. Yeah, still because stay. you're still like you know like thirty forty dollars down, fifty dollars down. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not spending like two hundred, three hundred dollars. Yeah, and you know, like it's not like and and whenever I say this, people are like, "Oh my God, you're screwing over the VA." I'm like, no. Yeah. Because the the reason that a, a freelancer will charge you like three hundred dollars for probably like a forty five minute video is because he knows that once you pay him, probably you won't be back for next two three weeks. True. Whereas a VA understands, okay, I'm going to work for seven hours a day, uh, you know, six days a week, so I have a fixed path of income. Right. So they are, you know, okay with lesser pay because they're, you know, over a month they are earning more and they're less stressed. 
Yeah, there's a there is like a quandary there because there's a lot of in the real estate world, VAs were pretty pretty hot topic three or four years yes. ago, um, mm-hmm. and it came it came down to like you know are we are we exploiting people? Are we mm-hmm. taking advantage of the economic you know difference? And the mm-hmm. Philippines is a big one for America for uh, you know like Philippine education is super high level and. Uh, not a lot of Philippine Filipinos have um, really heavy accents if they're in the, you know, if, if they, if they've gone through university. And so American mm-hmm. companies would hire Philippine VAs because they didn't sound like they were from another country, which was the benefit mm-hmm. to them. And they were obviously really good workers and they did a really good job and, and uh, took it seriously and all that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then it came around to, well, you're paying them, you know, $6 an hour or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've, I've talked to VAs that I've worked with and mm-hmm. just been like, you know, hey, you know, is this a, you know, a good situation for you and your family? And some of them have to work off hours. They have to work yes. at nighttime because that's, the, yes. they, you know, that's business hours for the U.S. Exactly. And, you know, the ones that I did talk to were like, look, mm-hmm. you know, average, you know, our, our average pay is closer to $2 an hour American. Mm-hmm. So being paid $6 an hour, I'm being paid three times the amount as my it's neighbor premium. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, when they get, you know, obviously $6 is probably not a thing anymore. It's closer to like 10, but, um, but at the time, you know, it was, they didn't feel exploited. They feel like that they were getting taken care of and that extra money was well worth, you know, the, the flipped schedule and, and all, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And so it, yeah. it made me feel better about hiring, you know, VAs and not taking advantage of, you know, mm-hmm. um, of people. Anson, I, I, I can agree. Like I have, I have gone through it because I started working at $2 per hour okay, as okay. a VA. Okay. And I, you know, very quickly I got bored of it. I was like, fuck this. It's yeah. like, it's like a brain dead job. I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, because I was doing it like a part time, like, you know, like three hours a day or something. Uh-huh. And when, when I really started my firm and I was like, you know, like I'm going to charge top dollar for people to talk to me. And I started charging like $50 for 30 minutes. Okay. And I was like, that's too freaking expensive. You know, of course, for my standard, it's too expensive for India, right? Right. And I started doing like, you know, like competitive research. I like, I was like, fuck me. People are out here, you know, like getting, <clears throat> I don't want to name the firm. They're, they're also into real estate social media strategy. They charge thirteen hundred hours per hour. Oh, on just the consultation or just total? Like, no, no, that's that's their it, hourly it, rate. Yeah, it's like their billable hours. It's not even oh, talking wow. to you. Wow, jeez. Like, like I, I am really dumb because I don't charge for research. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I am, I am like that kind of black sheep in my industry because I don't charge for research. And people like you, fucking dumb idiot. Like you don't, you know, like do for. Uh, I'm like. No, because a magician doesn't charge for preparation hours, right? Huh? That's true. You know, he he's only charging you for the amount of time he's spending on the stage. Right. Now you, you know now if the magician said, you know what, it took thirty minutes for me to set this particular act up, you know, pay me for another thirty hours, that magic would go away. Right. Yeah. Nobody's gonna pay like twenty thousand dollars to see a magic act because it that, yeah. that's what it cost him to uh to get to that and point. also anson the, oh, the thing is if 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 a magician said you know like i pull this rabbit out of my hat it took me 20 minutes to set up now pay me for that 
you know, all you had to say was like, okay, show me next time when you're doing it because I'm paying for it. <laughs> that, that's also true. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. The act is up. And I say this, you know, call of wearing Americans who are like, you know, like pay us 1300 hours, uh, you know, $1,300 per hour because we're doing back end research. I'm like, yeah, you are just a glorified magician who, who first of all, doesn't know how to perform a trick. Yeah. And who doesn't know how to carry themselves out there. Of course, you're, you're billing like fuck, but even if the slightest, you know, like profit margin, um, you know, hit, if the company takes, you're out of the, you know, like conversation. Yeah, that is, that is interesting that, um, I mean, that's just a, that's just a, uh, you're the market outlier, right? Do you think that that gets you more, um, you know, more business because you're like that one, that one company that's not charging for something that that's I, not totally mm-hmm. tangible to that client. They're like, I mean, people don't walk away quickly. Okay. Even if they find a better offer, even if someone says, you know, I can do it for half of what he's doing for. Right. And, you know, like they call me, they say, you know, like, Ganesh, this is the situation, I, you know, should I go with him? I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, if you want to go with him, go with him. Right. But, but the thing is, like, don't ask me to give historical data that I have collected for you because I have not charged it for you. Oh, sure. Okay. Right. Because you did that but work. If you, already. Yeah, I did the work. I did not ask you money for that work. Right. Right. And I did not use any of your tools. I did not log into your Facebook. I did not log into your Instagram. Right. I did my own shit to understand what you're doing. <coughs> and that's the reason I, I picked real estate. <clears throat> You see, because if you pick up e-commerce, you know, let's say, let's say you, you, you are selling a t-shirt. I am selling a t-shirt, right? Right. At the end of the day, cost of the t-shirt is the only secret between you and me. Right. Like all it comes down to is that, right? But with real estate, that's not, uh, you know, the issue. Because if, if we are in New York, you know, if, 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 if it's four, uh, you know, $400 or $40 per square feet, that's the public rate. Right. Right. But what what are you selling and what am I selling is two different things. And even if we know what you're, you know, if I know what you're selling and if you know what I'm selling, there is no way we can copycat each other. It's very hard. True. And you're, you're targeting people who either don't have the time to do what you do or they uh, or they're, they're people who can throw money at the problem and, and have it solved. So so usually it's like, you know, those people who have like very big, uh, human, human resource, like 200, 300 people working in the company. Okay. And you know, the management or the owner of the company, uh, let's say he lacks the understanding of social media. Right. And he's like, you know, like I'm paying all these people to do their job, but I don't know whether they're doing, they're doing it right or not, or whether they can be helped or not. That makes sense. Um, and you're you're filling in that role as a consultant, right? Yes. Okay. So I I know I don't do content creation, content generation, running ads, and all this bullshit. Like I don't say, you know, like give me thousand dollars, I'm going to convert it to hundred thousand dollars. Sure. Because I'm not in that game. I'm just like, okay, how much can we do for free? Yeah. Okay. You know that is organic. Like how much? How many people can we? bring into our social media or sales funnel for free and how much of brand awareness and brand trust that we can create in social media because that's the biggest thing right yes for sure 
even if you have a great offer and if people don't believe you if, if people don't trust you your offer is shit like it's not worth anything so you guys aren't, but you guys aren't producing the content for them they're not like no we don't do that you're you're just saying so, like hey these are these are the things you could do for free and let's let's uh get your sales so, full as cheap as possible yeah right? it's it's like you know i'm the script writer and they create movies oh sure you know we tell them okay guys this is what you can do in order to create content and these are the varieties of content that you can create and they say you know like the ceo doesn't want to show his face or you know my salesman doesn't want to show his face or you know i don't i don't want to show who is the seller of the property or whatever right so then we work through those hurdles we say okay if this is not what they're looking for then this is another style of content that that you know like uh, very mixes and mashes up with you but that is that is you know like similar to what your competition is doing but we are giving you a creative edge over your competition right yeah that's a uh... It sounds like it'd be really valuable because it sounds like a lot of those other social media companies, they're just trying to package the whole thing to get paid as much as possible. They're like, we'll do 10 pieces of content a week for this amount. And then they they try to kind of run that whole thing where it sounds like you're more collaborative and uh, in that consulting role. Yes, because I feel like, you know, like if I say, if I said, you know what, I'm going to do 15 reels for you, you pay me like, I don't know, $500 per reel. (laughs) <laughs> honestly that's the easiest thing for me but you would not stay with me for long right it's literally like being prostitute dude <laughs> <laughs> compared to being a wife you know like because you had to work with a brand you right. know because um he like to my older like ceos and cmos here here's the same story that i give to everybody um imagine how you know like Samsung is a very good phone manufacturing company, right? Like probably half the world knows Samsung. Right. And more people know about Samsung than probably iPhones or Apple. Yet, yet, if Samsung releases two average phones, like it was supposed to be good, but it was not good. Right. Their third fails. That's very like clearly abundant. In terms of sales and all these things, right? Right. And that's what happened to Nokia phone and all these phones. But look at iPhone. Look at what they did from iPhone like 8 to 12. Yeah. For four or five generations, they just decided to fuck off. Yeah. But they still sold, you know, same number of phones. They still were the leaders of the market. Why? Because they spent so much on brand building and building the trust and creating the premium feel that even if they deliver like piece of shits of phones, it still worked out. That's very true. And they, they kind of, yeah, they've kind of created that cult following, which is yeah the, uh, probably the pinnacle of, of like marketing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yes. they're, they're going to buy no because, matter what. Mm-hmm. Now, Anson, imagine you put up a reel of a house tour, right? You said, you know, guys here in, you know, like California, you know, this is a particular house that, you know, it's, you know, you, you just created a very well put together and very humble kind of trip or tour of the whole house, right? Right. Now, imagine an 18 or 19 year old is watching that reel. But, but you would say, you know what, 18 to 28, they don't mean shit to me because they don't have money. They're not going to buy the property. Right. But if you make sure that there is enough call to action, CTS in the reel, where either they follow you or they like you or, you know, they are in your loop. Right. You know, it's it's like their eyes is on you. 
right now if you are able to hit the same tone every time there comes a time when they will just follow you for shits and giggles and let's say 100000 people followed you and maybe in next 5 years only 10% of those became buyers with you right yeah that's 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 a huge tangible uh payoff for your effort right right and how mu- how much money did you spend nothing right yeah because when you're comparing it to the average ticket sales of you know you were clients what you have spent in a year probably next two clients can make you make you that back easy yeah yeah absolutely yeah there is a there is an interesting time versus money trade off there for mm-hmm. for that and i think you know there is a point where you definitely have to value your time and yes. and make, definitely, make sure that you're not doing like low you know low mm-hmm. pay activities when you can yeah. be working on higher just outsource it but I, but I would, I'd say that there's something tangible there that you said that if you're spending, you know, 30 minutes a day on, on creating new content and engaging with your current audience, mm-hmm. that you should, you shouldn't look at that as just, oh, this is just free work. Like that could be yeah. $500 an hour work that you're doing based yes. on, you know, a year payoff or two years payoff mm-hmm. of, you know, getting new clients in the door or, or new sales or whatever. Um mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of business owners or solo, you know, agents or preneur or solopreneurs look at it that way. Yes. They they look at it as like, this is just you know free work that it if it doesn't pay off next week, it's not worth it. And you have to look mm-hmm. at it more of as as a long game. Is that kind of how you look at yeah. it with your clients? Yes. So I always say this that social media is not a PR machine; it's a brand building exercise that you're doing. It's like you work out for two years. You won't get any like muscles. You don't have biceps, triceps, any packs. <laughs> but all of a sudden, in the third year, you get all you gain all of those characteristics and figure, right? Right, right. And social media is so similar to that. Because Anson, here is another angle that I want to like show real estate people that okay, fuck buyers. You know, like forget buyers for a second. Okay. Now you are putting up house tours and all these things on a daily basis. Guess what? A first-time house seller or a person who doesn't have any knowledge about how to sell a house is going to approach you. He's going to say, you know what? I trust you because I've seen you over years. Yep. Could you please sell my house? Yep. And because he does not have a lot of knowledge, you do have a leverage of experience where you can you can play around maybe to get more commission or to upsell that house. Sure. Or flip that house. Sure. And it's also creating like multiple streams for you because once you start creating content or once, you know, you pretend to start create, you know, like creating good content, trust me, other real estate people are going to look at you and say, how can you help us? Like, okay, I want to emulate the same thing. Right. Yeah. I've had now that opens <laughs> up like second, third, fourth doors to your, you know, like opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happened. That happens with me with, um, kind of more traditional marketing on uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> marketing directly to homeowners has now turned into consulting with uh, three or four companies now on their marketing mm-hmm. because they're, you know, they're, they're in the same boat. They're like, we know how to, we know how to evaluate properties. We know how to buy houses, but we need, mm-hmm. we need more influx of, of leads. And they'll look at something like we're doing and say, mm-hmm. how do we, yeah, I have no idea how to start that and I don't really have the time to 
figure it out all myself. So if we hire you and, uh, and you can help us with lists and mail and, you know, traditional marketing stuff, then, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it, it, exactly what you said has, has come true on that side. And I'm sure on the social side, it's the same where there's a lot of agents putting out a lot of just terrible <laughs> content mm-hmm. that, that's <laughs> the worst. And so, yeah. yeah, if you're doing it at a quality level consistently, there's, there's mm-hmm. no way that people aren't going to come to you and say like, look, how, you know, how do I do, you know, this of what you do for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I had one of my clients from Netherlands. Okay. And he was a very bad real estate dealer. Okay. Like, I don't know shit about real estate, as I told you earlier. Yeah, yeah. I have never invested a single penny in real estate. But, you know, there are some characteristics because I'm working with real estate people every day. You know, there are certain characters that, you know, like tell me that, okay, you are a real estate guy. Now, he was a very bad salesman. Like, (laughs) he really struggled with it because he was a solopreneur. Okay. Uh, So, he was like, you know, chasing the next shiny ball. He was like, you know, bigger deals, bigger deals, bigger deals rather than being... Um, you know, consistent. He, 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 uh, at, at a certain point, he earned more in um, social media than he was earning in his commissions. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Did he, and, did he pivot yeah. to doing more social media then? Or is he, is he still trying to do real estate? No, he, stuff? I think he got hired by another real estate firm to do social media. Okay. <laughs> that That is pretty Yeah. Cool. The problem, but the problem with, you know, like my industry that is in strategy is people are so much like uh, obsessed with numbers that even if the results are like two days late, they're like, no, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. I'm like, okay, could you shut the fuck up and just wait for like two months? Because we have definitely seen people, you know, get results over long time you know, like consistent content, but you know, like, because of course, as you said, you know, like in sales, that is not something that people see. They're like, you know, like today I, I, I spent so much on ads. Where are the leads? You know, how many, how many of, the, of them are converting and all these things. Right. So that's like one of the biggest issues for me. And the fact that, you know, we have closed clients, like we don't take any more clients now because we are just like overworked. And we don't advertise, we don't do cold outreach to companies now. And, you know, one person told me to directly, like, you know, like, you are very shady because you don't have a website. I used to have a website. Um, you know, even for my listeners, guys, I used to have a website. But, and then, like, it really felt like, you know, like I was begging for clients. Okay. You know, like, please work with me, please work with me. I was like, fuck that. <laughs> then I started attending events and, you know, like, places where, you know, like, real estate groups and all these things where, you know, like people who were really genuinely my, you know, who could become my clients were there. And like, that is how I worked. I did, I, I have not done email cold outreach and LinkedIn cold outreach in a very long time. That's a really good place to be. And you almost have this, uh, this mystique and exclusivity of like, you know, you, you don't have a website or if you do have a website, you're basically like, like, hey, we're on a, you know, we have more clients than we can handle. And if you really want to work with us, you mm-hmm. know, set up a set up a 10 minute call. And like yeah. people, 
people go crazy for that like exclusive like oh i can't have it that make that makes mm-hmm. me want it even more and i'll pay even more for yes. it yes <laughs> i have seen that i have definitely seen that <laughs> I, I know like people have asked me like how dare you not work for people yeah and i'm like guys like so answer like you know nobody in this world as of now as of today has succeeded in creating a like like a franchise model for digital agencies okay it's like you know like um, michelin hotels like michelin restaurants right right only that particular cook can you know cook like that and he can teach other people but it's not going to be the same right now you need to have a certain um, you know like intrusiveness and curiosity to do this kind of work and you know like that open mindset because you 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 will be proved wrong by yourself in 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 a research of like 3 hours so you have to be like very open minded and you know like willing to accept whatever is the truth now people don't have it dude like i can i cannot train someone to have that sure so it's like you know i can only do so much work and i'm not going to like kill myself working right yeah <laughs> i'm just like you know like and i i also work full time so i'm like you know i'm going to balance it as long as possible oh so that's so not I even your full time uh gig. yeah that's not even like ah. my full full time focus okay i just do it i just do it on the side yeah but you know like in india it's very like rare dude like for someone to be sitting in home because i still remember when work from home came as a fashion yeah if you sat in home like in india it's simple like if you sit in home you're jobless like like you know like you could be earning like freaking 500 million dollars in a year that's still like you know what like go get a real job <laughs> that's that is an interesting mindset that is very yeah. interesting that like if you're not out there doing something then you're not doing anything if you're not in an office or if you're not like working for a company no, if, if you, what are you doing if you're not just out of your house like oh, okay okay <laughs> um, so you just need to yeah, rent, so... a, rent an office and then you'll be seen as uh, legitimate now <laughs> yes i think that's the move it should be like just go you know work in a we work like co-working space yep yep <laughs> then then you're legitimate yeah. then people want yes, call you then a then <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely i hope so so i still have a like like a full time job and i would like to quit it but you know it it is so laid back like my full time job so i'm like you know like whatever let's just balance it as of now yeah if if you have the time and the energy to do it then then why yeah. not Exactly. And also it's like you know it's like my one opportunity to talk to people otherwise I'd just be yeah. in the house all day that's true yeah that's that true. is something that I want right now yeah it sounds like it's working sounds like it sounds like you're in a good good spot right now mhm yeah so like that's kind of my work like that's what I do on a regular basis um but this podcast is my like favorite thing okay nice and talking to people like you you know as guests is my like by far the favorite, most favorite thing i hate all the other parts <laughs> <laughs> the editing and the posting and all that oh yeah. my god don't even get started like yeah. how how many like episodes in a week do you do in your podcast well i'm i'm in pre production right now for uh mm-hmm. for a launch in about hopefully in about a month or so but mm-hmm. uh but my plan is to do two two per week. Oh, please don't do it. Dude. Uh, don't do it. I know, I know. I Oh I, my god. Um because this this podcast is you know, it's like bi-weekly, two episodes in a week. Two episodes in a week. Okay, yeah. 
one on Tuesday, one on Friday. Yeah. Oh my God, it freaking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are you are going long though. Your uh, mine are targeted to one episode is going to be about ten or twelve minutes, and the other episode is going to be about twenty. So they're they're mm-hmm. definitely shorter, but they are video, and, which is mm-hmm. much more uh, much more intensive for sure. Yeah, I you know initially even I I, I went I went to video like I switched to video. Yeah. Um, but you know, like you saw the prerequisite mail, right? Where I asked you, what is your internet speed? Right. And a lot of people came up with disappointing speeds and I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, <laughs> I cannot risk it. Yeah. It's too much. And you know, I, I have my own editing team where they edit one episode. I, I edit another episode. Okay. Yeah. But even still it sucks dude. my God. Like, yeah, I, th- I hate it. Like, you know, like planning and all these things. Yes. Yeah. I hate it. Well, you should like me. I just signed up out of the blue, and you're probably like, "Who is this guy? Where did he come from?" So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, out of the blue. But you know, I have been fortunate enough in this particular podcast because you know, like I have built and sold two podcasts before this. Oh, okay, wow. And I have failed in four. <laughs> yeah. And this is something that I started out of. You know, I was I was being guests, uh, you know, appearing as a guest on other podcasts. And, you know, like, then they were content creators today. They're very, you know, close friends to me. They were like, you know, why don't you start a podcast of your own? Yeah. You sound like interesting and you you sound like, you know, dumb enough to hold a conversation. Right. I was like, okay, you know, let me try. And, you know, I tried before, but I really struggled with booking guests. Okay. Yeah. And I thought of this podcast in an afternoon while sitting in the office. I just designed the logo and I just came up with like, you know, bare minimum. Yeah. I just created a calendar and I just put it out on Reddit. And like within two days, I had over 28 guests. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, I did not even try. Yeah. That's, that. that's awesome. Heck yeah. Yeah. And you know, like for this month, uh, for August, I had like four guests. I was like, okay, how am I going to bring other guests? Yeah. Right now I have 14 people in the pipeline. Yeah, I mean, I, I I saw your post on Reddit, so that's where I mm-hmm. where I came from. Was uh, yes, was uh, find a guest, and I was like, this, yeah. this this looks interesting. It's not, you know, I've been on a a ton of real estate podcasts, but this is like mm-hmm. talking to normal people and get, getting to know <laughs> yeah. them. And I I really like that uh that concept. So thank yeah, you. I think it's great. It's like yeah, but you know, the one thing with my podcast is I don't have any time limit. Like. If you, if you, if you have content, like if I can take anything from you, I'll keep stealing for, from you for three hours or four hours, whatever Absolutely. it is. <laughs> but one surprising thing, even I don't, I don't, I think my listeners have probably realized by now, every guest that I have called on my podcast had something to sell, you know, ha- at least had something to offer. Okay. Right? They're, they're authors, dietitians, doctors, um, you know, general wellness coaches, you know, like everybody, uh, you know, a painter, everybody I have had on my podcast, but nobody has tried to sell themselves very hard. Yeah. Because, you know, I have seen that with many small podcasts because they're like, you know, they start out good, but, you know, the client is selling themselves hard left and right all the time. Yeah. You know, like if you ask, how, you know, and so what did you have for your breakfast? You'd start with, you know, I had I had a cereal 
um, you know, with milk today morning, and I was reading the cereal box ingredients. So, anyways, about my book, you know, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, they they loop back to their own um, uh, set offer, right? But fortunately, I have not had that kind of constraint um where and anyone has sold anyone because see i have been talking to you for almost one hour 40 minutes now yeah and you are not tried to sell anything you know till now yeah i'm not and i would not be disappointed even if you tried to sell something because <laughs> you know i'm not gonna sell anything. more power to you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i think i think maybe um maybe your energy attracts those types of people because uh you know or or, or maybe it's because the podcast is more like we're just going to talk and get to know people versus like uh, other ones that I'm on where the podcast is trying to sell something the whole time or, Mm -hmm. or I have to give them a piece of anything that I'm trying to sell, which isn't Mm -hmm. something that I do anyways, but Uh it's maybe it's just the whole spirit of, of, you know, sapient that it's basically just like, like, hey, we're gonna talk. Thank we're you. gonna get to know each other, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. that's not what this this is kind of for. I mean, you might you might have a book mm-hmm. or a course or whatever that is. Yeah. Your guest might, but that's not what this is kind of for. And we've talked about ten different topics, and none of them are mm-hmm. you know none of none none of them have been you know things that I'm selling or things that you're selling. So yes, <laughs> because one thing is Anson that you know like even in this particular episode. And as you said, we have touched so many topics where me as a marketer, like I know I had probably like 40 shots of selling something. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I don't do that because I don't care about it. Yeah. You know, I still don't have my own merch, like merchandise. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm really, but you know, the day I'm going to have ads is the day I'm going to dread. <laughs> and I hope my, you know, like future sponsors are not listening to this, but right. Yeah. Because ad reach is like annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. I, I've been, I've been contemplating that on my own is I have probably one or two or three companies that I could reach out to and they would easily just sign up and have a, you know, 60 second read and I could easily pay for all my podcast costs mm-hmm. per month and maybe even outsource editing, you know, at that rate. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe later. I'm not worried about it now. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you're not worried about it either. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. And, and in this, because, you know, you, uh, one more thing is, you know, the two podcasts I had successful before this. Yeah. Were built to sell. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, from the day I started, I was like, I'm going to sell this shit. Like <laughs> I'm not even hiding it. Interesting. But this sapient is like for lifetime. It's like my GRE, you know, the Joe Rogan's experience. Yeah. 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 And I hope I reached like 3,000 episodes in this. <laughs> right. Yes. So I'm not I'm not looking to sell. I'm not looking to. And, you know, like, I, I have never reached out to sponsors even till today. I could, but I don't want to. Yeah. And, you know, like, we have a pretty solid uh, base in terms of listenership per episode and all these things. And... Yeah, you know what? Like, I have not really marketed this podcast as much. You know, I have I have not done podcast guest exchanges or you know like right. ad exchanges or um, you know paid media. All these things, nothing. This podcast just has an Instagram where I just put up next episodes. 
and that is for my dumbass not uh, for no for me not to forget yeah <laughs> upcoming episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it sounds like uh you know it, it's your your passion project you're not you know you're not yeah. trying to monetize it you're trying to you know to to uh get get some information and and get to know mm-hmm. you know hopefully cool people right yes so you know like anson because you have been here for such long long time on the episode i need to tell you why you know like the name is sapient okay you know sapient is like any organism that has capability to think you know to process thoughts so you know how people are brain dead <laughs> sure sure anyways anyways that's not the topic anyways so assume in next 100 years right anson became some multi billionaire like probably the richest person ever to live on this earth sure sure and people it. are like you know like you know like <clears throat> socrates or all these philosophers you know they were they were very serious people they talked in quotes and all these things so they'll be like you know anson was very money minded person he was always talking about money wealth and that and this and by accident they stumble upon this podcast and they see that anson is a person who has his own opinion you know like who has different thoughts than money sure. or whatever that you are going to stand for in the future sure so that's the whole goal of this podcast it's just that we want to show the human side of successful people yeah yeah because i think it's great successful people and people who last over a generation are always objectified yeah yeah so yeah or you're that's you're it. you're like pigeonholed in, into a box after a while and so yeah if i have to do like you know one more uh of the same exact you know real estate podcast mm-hmm. uh where i'm a guest and they ask the same like five questions and i tell the yes. same like four stories then mm-hmm. you know that's not exciting but this this is yeah. uh way more exciting because we got to talk about all kinds of uh really fun mm-hmm. stuff so hopefully it was fun for you it was very fun and... absolutely mm-hmm. so and i hope to listen to your podcast very soon yeah so whenever send, that's out yep i'll send you mm-hmm. i'll send you the link once it's out mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's about what like real estate yeah so real estate investing and we're going to be talking to uh you know each, each season is kind of a different niche inside of real estate mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. investing and we're going to talk to you know normal people <laughs> mm-hmm. i feel like uh real estate's just a bigger better like arms race and especially mm-hmm. on the yeah. investor side like everybody's trying to get mm-hmm. the big names and these big sexy numbers and you know this yes. uh 19 year old owns 2000 units like your mm-hmm. your average yeah. person cannot relate to that at all and so yes i want to talk to like the normal people who have done successful real estate deals and i want to talk to mm-hmm. them about their story and about mm-hmm. how you know, so we're going to be talking about house hacking first in our first season. So I've talked mm-hmm. to, you know, house hackers who are, you know, they're not multi-bajillionaires. They're just normal people and, <laughs> and how, you know, how these deals have worked and how that strategy has affected their, their financial journey. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then in a companion episode later in the week, it's a solo episode where I break down more mm-hmm. of the strategy of exactly what they're doing and how, how my listeners can then take it and, and, take it into immediate action in their own journey. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of a, an AB type thing, but if you catch one or the other, you're not going to be lost. 
Um, mm-hmm. so if you're into interviews and talking to normal people, there's an episode for you. And if you if you're talk if you want to learn about the entire strategy of how that person got to where they, you know, got, successfully made that deal, then there's an episode mm-hmm. for you as well. So, got it. It it seems like you're it's a very well thought and like labor of hard work kind of podcast. <laughs> It's not as easy as mine. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at those companion episodes and I have to like extract, you know, the kind of mm-hmm. key, you know, two or three pieces that I can expand upon. And so that mm-hmm. it's actionable for people, you know, obviously mm-hmm. if you're a casual listener, uh, you may not care as much, but if you're into house hacking and real estate investing, then you want mm-hmm. to know like the tangible, like, well, they said this thing, but how do I like, do that in real life. Like, how do mm-hmm. I go and do this, you know, next week? Yes. And so yes. I like, uh, I want people to, to, to take action And my, my perfect scenario. And I'll probably just mm-hmm. quit the podcast that day. No, I'll, I won't, but we'll be mm-hmm. somebody who listens, who gets the strategies, who goes out and, and puts it to work. They get their own mm-hmm. deal and then they come on the podcast and we get to talk about mm-hmm. this full circle journey of yeah somebody who have helped through the podcast and have have then be- become a guest because they they were successful in that mm-hmm. strategy and so yeah. that's a that would be an awesome uh pat on my own back i guess in that scenario so we're going to mm-hmm. work hard to get people to take action and actually get success out of it Yes, that would be like you become the Dave Ramsey of real estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, you get to call 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 me, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. your success story of how you know yeah. how, the, how the program helped you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and so I really don't understand why people hate other people, especially other successful people. Sure. Because other day, you know, I was watching this intense like Facebook fight going go on in a comment section. Okay. Where someone said, you know, like, uh, I don't, I don't, I, it, it was about Mark Cuban. They okay. were like, Mark Cuban is a piece of shit. And another guy said, like, why? Why, why do you think he's a piece of shit? He was like, you know, like, he steals from people. He's so rich, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, the other guy, the, the guy who was very calm, he said, how many millions do you have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I felt genuinely like, you know, like awestruck. Because I remembered this like statement by David Goggins. He said that you will never be criticized by someone who is more successful than you. That's yeah, that's very true. I like I like Dave Goggins a lot. So yeah. Um, so I, I I literally remember that particular um, thing that he said on Joe Rogan, where he said you will never be criticized by those people who are, who are more successful than you. Yeah. So that's why I don't get this toxicity in social media. They are like, fuck Andrew Tate, you know, like, fuck that guy. I'm like, yeah, so what have you done to show for it? Right. Yeah. Right. Because I'm pretty sure if, if, if you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, you know, like, Ganesh is not a scientist. <laughs> yeah, people would agree on it because, first of all, I'm not a scientist. And second of all, he, he is an established person who has something to show for it. Right. Right. But... But if some random person on the street said Ganesh is not a scientist, people would like, so what? Like, yeah. And they would probably support me and say, you know, he is a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the weird part of social media. It is. That I, I think, like, few, only few people understand. Yeah. And those people who understand, like, shut the fuck up very quickly. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a combination of everybody has a voice. And so they're going to 
just vomit out whatever is at the top of the mind. And then also if you, if you are putting out any kind of content or any, if you're just putting yourself out there, you're exposing mm-hmm. yourself to that, that criticism, but you have to yeah. learn from minute one to just ignore it. Like you can't let that stuff yes. get to you on, on any level because on any just innocuous, like I could post a picture of, you know, my kid's first day of school, which was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And there might be a comment on there of like, like, Oh, like, you know, uh, whatever criticism somebody could come up with and you just have to, well, learn I, know, to I, I know walk you know just just mm-hmm. you know walk, don't let that get to you like people are just going to be people yeah. and they're going to be you know toxic or whatever and i but, exactly know what they would say yeah if your kid went on a school bus they'll be like how dare you not drop the kid to the school <laughs> yeah, you weren't... and if you dropped your kid to the school in your car yeah they'll be like you piece of shit who is so privileged that yeah. you would not let your you know like child mingle with other people <laughs> that is that that's the exact conversation i had uh the other day with uh actually my wife one of her friends mm-hmm. like their kid takes the bus and mm-hmm. i was like I was like, well, I know that they work from home. Like, why don't they just drop them off? And then I was just like, who cares? Like, that's that's their thing. And maybe, yeah. you know, maybe the bus, he, he, all of his friends ride the bus. Who knows? Like, mm-hmm. who cares? Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of thing. Um, because I was talking to a podcaster very recently, like off the line. And she said something that was very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, are you aware of these podcasts who review other podcasts and shit on them? Okay. So she said the day any of, you know, any podcast or any content creator in that genre takes your name, that's the day you're successful. Yeah. Like that's the day you made it. You could literally talk to a sponsor and say, you know what? Some people are shitting on me. You better pay me more money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it shows that you're, you're, uh, you've, you've garnered enough attention to at least get yes. the attention of even critics, you know? Yeah. Um, that I mean, that is not just change the subject, but that is my problem with like Twitter right now is that mm-hmm. the the knee jerk kind of like people will just rage mm-hmm. farm now. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll yeah. they'll just post inflammatory stuff to get their comments just full of people who are you know one way or the other. They agree with them, they don't agree with them. But mm-hmm. now that now that you're getting paid for engagement, mm-hmm. you can put out any you you could put out just the most garbage everything and you're getting paid <laughs> yeah. for it and so you yes. so like you you have to learn to even when you're consuming that content is just like oh these mm-hmm. people are just they just want they just want reactions and so mm-hmm. uh it is yeah. it is kind of like scraping the bottom bottom of a flaming dumpster at this point uh <laughs> of, of kind of content like uh, yeah and so i think i think it's going to be harmful honestly in the long run of like that negative attention 24 7 is mm-hmm. is just going to spiral into a toxic just dump fire, you know, dumpster fire. Yeah. And so like I think it is refreshing when you see things on uh, you know, I guess the first like 24 hours of Threads was really nice because it wasn't just people reposting, repurposing content. <laughs> and it was actual yeah. like engagement of like, hey, this place is cool. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Mm-hmm. Like there there was a lot of that. Um now are are you like paying attention to Threads? Okay. It's just freaking garbage. Yeah, oh I, I, it, it was a matter of time before it was just a repurposed dump. You know, people who are—it's not even repurposed okay. now. It's just you know, like mindless, like you know how how you know like models and um you know wannabe influencers post on LinkedIn, right? 
yeah. it has become the it, that threats now like oh, that threats okay you know they they will have a picture of them of their own sipping a coffee in a starbucks coffee yeah. and they will have like freaking 50 character some stupid story about being humble or being and having gratitude in life <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't say that I haven't posted that in the past, but I know better than mm. to post that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I learned that lesson. I think, I, I, I think everybody <laughs> did it at one time, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, that that's too bad. Now, honestly, that that's too. Yeah, bad. that's like you know, like oxymoron kind of approach to threads. Yeah. Also, also, are you aware that you cannot uh, uh, delete thread account? Did did I delete my account? No, it's not possible for you oh, to delete possible? only threads oh, account. Yeah. Wow. If you want to delete your threads, you have to forget your Instagram too. No, ouch. That is a that, that's kind of brilliant actually. Like you're uh, you're, it's you're a locked trap. in. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> trapped. You're in the you're and, in the trap. And threads tracks your retina movement and uh, heartbeats. Whoa, that's yeah. wild. So deal with it. Wow. <laughs> well, and yeah. Well, you guys, you guys would know if you're getting the full disclosure over there, right? Uh, yes, kind of. Interesting. Heartbeat um, and what was the other thing? Eye movements, retina movements. Eye movements. Rapid eye movements. Yeah. Whoa. Huh? Is that done through like the front camera? Or how do they do that? Yeah, front camera. I have a smartwatch. Yeah, obviously the the heartbeat through the watch, right? So yeah, but yeah, no, even even rapid eye movement through smartwatch is possible now. Oh, like your sleep? Okay, your your no, no, even sleep? even when you're awake. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So if you if you have a very like strong reaction to something, your smart your smartwatch can pick it up. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Just in terms of um, you know, like muscles getting tight and. Yeah, um, you know, like there are multiple uh, parameters that they're looking for, so that is possible now. Man, we're screwed if they start tracking like eye eye tracking. So like, like what you're looking at on the screen. <clears throat> yeah, that uh, is. I think that is coming up with GTA Six. Oh saying. my gosh! So GTA Six cannot be played uh, uh, by anyone who is under eighteen, and uh, they will have. Uh, you know, the, you will need to have webcams. What? Through which you'll be monitored whether to see whether you're under 18 or not. Oh. I was like, fuck you. Wow. I would throw my PC out of this fucking house before I do that. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I understand because you don't want kids to play that. Um, really? But Really? You think so? But, but yeah, that, that's... Because, Anson, I saw this I saw this heated debate between an old, old person and a young person. Okay. Where the old person said, can you believe all these people play you know grand theft auto and they are becoming criminals in real world right and the kid said you do understand that your your generation literally fought world wars <laughs> actually in the wars yes <laughs> yeah you you literally fought in a fucking world war like you don't get to tell us whether we are you know like yeah. innocent or criminal yeah yeah um i do have gta 5 that's mm-hmm. on a xbox disc and i there's only one Xbox in the house and it's my son's, mm-hmm. but so I used to play it. <laughs> and then the other day I was looking through a, like a cabinet and I found it and I was like, do I give this to him? And I was like, maybe I'll give him a year or two <laughs> before I give it to him. He's only 13. So maybe mm-hmm. that's a little. Yeah. Fun, but... You know, it, it's, it's one of those kinds that it's better if parents never find it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah yeah also also true like yeah he he, he could be playing uh something mm-hmm. like that and i don't know about it but <laughs> now, now your son might hate me <laughs> no yeah right <laughs> He's I, like, I think that guy, you know, like he should be up. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, I think he'll be okay if he doesn't uh, mm-hmm. doesn't discover it. But. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, like if 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 the culture and house is strong enough, yes. you know, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're yeah we're we're pretty tight knit, so mm-hmm. like he yeah he's not gonna like play some weird thing like uh, that we wouldn't know about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Because of course you are all over there in United States, yeah. you know in India I, <clears throat> I I I never wanted my parents to find out. You know, do you remember those cyber cafes we had? Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. used to go and you know, and I used to like steal money from my father's pocket, and I used to go there. Okay. And once he found out. Uh oh. <laughs> yes, you know it was like boom, boom, left hook, right hook, you know. Oh no! Ouch. <laughs> yes, I I still remember he threw me around. Uh, like 15 feet wow he you know from from the drawing room to my bedroom on my bed like that was around 15 20 feet yeah he literally chucked me like fuck you take this you know like oh man <laughs> and of course he was like brilliant enough to throw me on the bed but you know like that was kind of because india in india you know like smacking is a very normal thing sure sure because here it's like you know like Parents are like my way or highway, and highway is not a good place. <laughs> right. Yeah. You better. You better get my way. Yeah. 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 So here, you know, we are always like, because I, for me, you know, getting hit like was very normal. Yeah. Sure. If, even, if that's your culture my, and yeah, you know, your parents' culture and their parents' culture. And it's not like you know your parents are looking for excuses to freaking beat you. Oh jeez. <laughs> It's like, you know, like if you did something wrong, you know, you're going to get punished. Yeah, yeah. It's that simple and people know better. Like, of course, there are some kids, you know, who like just don't give a fuck. Right. But majority of people learn very quickly that, you know, if you just behave, nothing is going to happen to you. Yeah, your parents will smack you around, right? Yeah, not only parents, like your uncles, aunties, oh, okay. like your grandmother, grandfather, any fucking random guy on the street. Like <laughs> they're they're just they're just waiting to to smack some kids up. Correct. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like you know, this is a society and this is a set of rules that you have to live by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't do that, you know, like they expect you to be better, and the only way you could be better is you by you know, like go going through that pain kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Did you because you also have to understand that you know like getting smacked in the street is like disrespectful even for like a ten year old. Okay. <laughs> because all of his friends are watching and you know he is butt naked and his butt is getting spanked. Oh. Yeah, like oh my god, like shit. That is uh <laughs> yeah, that's that's social suicide right there, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, that's very like that's the kind of culture we have. Interesting. Do you, do you see that that's like changing at all? Like as the time goes on or? Yes. Parents are getting fucking softer. Okay. Okay. You know, like, um, you know, like snowflakes degeneration, that's freaking real over here. Okay. So less, yeah. less kids getting smacked, but they're more like coddled and maybe. No, it's not even getting smacked. They do not have any form of, you know, like structure or discipline. Oh, any. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and and you know, and son, like I don't have quits because I'm not even freaking married. I don't know why the fuck I'm talking about this. Yeah, yeah. I I hate that when when kid you know when parents say that my my child is special. I'm like no, <laughs> like definitely no. 
Yeah. There's there's a special to you, but that's about it. Like mm-hmm. not not out there. Yeah. yeah. And even if you have five, there is probably one is who's more special to you than other. Also one. true. Also true. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, like yeah, they're not your favorites. Like and don't please you know, like because the problem with kids is, you know, they will believe everything that their parents will teach them. Sure. And those parents end up teaching, you know, like you are very special. And they kind of build that alter alter ego where they're like, you know what, I'm special. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm not like these fucking average kids. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, and that's where trouble starts. Yeah. Okay. So you're, so you guys are seeing a lot of that in younger, younger yes. generation than you. I mean, you're, you're, in your... especially in, especially in upper middle class. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. What do you because, think? Because, you know, real, real hustlers, Go ahead. Oh, are you there? <clears throat> Sorry, uh, you got disconnected there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like so it's... I was saying, you know, like real hustlers do come from uh, lower middle class and lower, like lower economical classes. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, it's it's the same problem everywhere. Rich brats and all these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i think we were i was talking about that with some some friends the other night uh at the end of mm-hmm. our meetup was uh you know kids kids here that are between like i don't know 18 and mid-20s like there seems to be an interesting gap there where they don't want to you know they really don't want to really work mm-hmm. uh, some of them do of course there's outliers of course but there's we all know somebody yeah. who's like kind of like stuck at home. They don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Like they get really anxious when they have to go talk to people or they're outside or they like have an excuse where they can't get a job because they don't, you know, they, they get too uh, anxious around people. And, mm-hmm. and we were, we were, we were trying to like trying to figure out where that stems from. But uh, of course mm-hmm. we didn't solve the world's problems, but, um, but it was, uh, but it was an interesting thing. Kind of maybe it's a culmination of what you were, you were saying of like, you know, mm-hmm. upper middle class kids are getting more, uh, less, Backward less structure and, you know, and less discipline and yes. less, you know, expectations and all that stuff. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Like, yeah, I think that's the same problem everywhere. But in India, the the better thing is, as I told you, right? If, if you sit in a home, you're a bum. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, which is good because I think that there is that stigma, but I think it's also mm-hmm. bad because if you're like, own your own business and you work at home you're if, fucked yeah if, <laughs> if, if, if that scene is bad then, mm. then that's that's a downside but if you're yeah but if you're like 20 and you you know you're sitting at home all day and that's a huge stigma mm. and it gets you to get up yes. and go out and actually mm-hmm. you know, go back to school or go get a job or whatever i think yeah. i think that that is good because there are... you know that kind of belief in society yeah i've seen that you know people even when they reach their retiring age like 60 60 plus Really? Yeah, they just go out of home to just just get together, just have fun, like just to get out, you know. Yeah, just just get you know get together in a park, just just for a full day of fun. They don't they don't care. They just want to be out of their houses. And that stigma is still there for the yeah older folks. Either it's either it's a stigma or they probably hate their wives. Oh. <laughs> I don't know which one. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see either way. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so yeah, either the missus is the problem, or you know they want to get out there and be active yeah the 
yeah, the social uh, social stigma of being being at home make, means that you're a bum. Yeah, then then, yeah. You, then you'll be out and, all day. Yeah, and you know you also have to understand they have been in the profession for 40, 50 years yeah. of their life. Yeah. And all of a sudden now they don't have anything to do. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, like I feel genuinely that's that's the number one leading re- reason in United States where why people are ending up in you know retired retired homes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they were active their whole life. Yep. And then they become empty nesters. I absolutely hate that fucking fact, uh, you know, word. And then, um, you know, like all of a sudden they have nothing to do. Yeah. That is, uh, it, it is interesting. Um, cause I've seen my, my, my dad's retired and he fills up his mm-hmm. time, you know, pretty decently, but mm-hmm. you know what? I think my grandpa was like retired from the, you know, from basically from when I was born. So his, mm-hmm. the whole time I've known him, he, he didn't work, but he, you know, mm-hmm. he had hobbies and he had friends and he had, you know, went traveling and he did, he did his thing of course. But mm-hmm. there's a point where, you know, if, if you don't have any funds or money, yeah, you're like, yeah. you're at, you're, you're kind of stuck in either like mm-hmm. uh, your kid's house or a home or something like that. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's terrible. You know, like there is a law in India that if, if you know, me being a son, if I don't take care of my, um, you know, like father and mother, my parents, yeah, they, you know, like their property won't go to me. Oh, huh. Yeah. So you cannot just discard your parents because they're old or whatever. Huh. That, that is interesting. Yeah, because here what happened is, you know, like we we always always had this culture of joint families, right? And now because of Western fucks, you know, like now not even folks, I'm I'm desperately saying fucks because they brought this nuclear concept here. So now younger folks are like, you know, like my parents are old, so you know, like slowly push them away from house or you know send them to a senior citizen, right? You know, like retiree homes and all these things, and um, you know, like taking property away from them and all these things, huh? So our Supreme Court said, you know what, fuck you, <laughs> it's too much. If you don't take care of your parents, uh, you will not get their ancestral property too. Interesting. Huh. So, yeah, so basically is is legislating the thing that used to be the norm, right? So it yes. used to be the normal thing is to, to, like, would you guys have, like, multi-generational housing and stuff like that? Where you would, like, live with your parents yes, yes. and grandparents and all that? Yeah, that's the norm. Living alone, living alone is a very rare thing. Now it's becoming like this fucking cancer that's spreading slowly. Okay, okay. But but we have always had because even me growing up, I was with my grandfather, my mother, my father. Okay. And you know, like all of our fam- uh, family were you know living close to each other. Yeah. Within the city, where you know, like we could visit them whenever we want. And it's it's always like like a joint family because let's say. Now you are getting married and you are my brother. All the uncles and aunts and all these people would come to the marriage and you know help you financially. All these things, you know, like yeah, it's just giving each other that kind of support. Yeah, for sure. And then and would, let's say you know like like you you are in real estate, right? Yeah, yeah. Now if I want to buy property, even though you are charging higher commission, I will pay you only. Right. Interesting. Um. Yeah, that's definitely not the norm here, which is uh which is which is not. I mean, it, it means that the families kind of usually s- 
spread out or yeah. not nearly as close, you know? Yes. Like if I lived in a house into my twenties mm-hmm. with my grandparents and my parents mm-hmm. and, you know, siblings and, and all of that, mm-hmm. that's, that's just a different, a totally different experience. And that's just the norm. Yes. That would be a, a yeah, a totally different experience for sure. And also I think it, it, it gives you that kind of security and confidence in yourself. Sure. Because let's say you're just walking down the street and someone, you know, tried to harass you or whatever, right? Like you have your own blood to back up. You, know, at least. <laughs> you have a whole yeah. house full of people who are ready to smack up some kids. They're going to go out there. Yeah, kids or whoever it is, right? <laughs> or, you know, if you're going through a financial struggle, yeah, okay. there is family that, you know, that's going to take care of you. Like, yeah. They are, you know, they're not, they might not be able to pay you, but they will feed you and they'll keep you, you know, like yeah. comfort, uh, you know, in, within your whole house. Yeah. And here, and that's the reason, you know, homelessness is not as prevalent. Like homelessness almost does not exist. Yeah. It's very like very minute percentage of people who are, who are uh, homeless because of social stigma or because of their, um, you know, like own choices. Their choice. Yeah. Otherwise it's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that you, you have that support network built in and there's no stigma of yeah maybe you know moving with your parents or whatever like the, everybody kn- that exists that exists when when the kid is between 18 and 21 when they live at home yeah that i want to be free and blah 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 right but w- w- once they look at their expenses and their paycheck they shut the fuck up immediately yeah <laughs> also true yes yes yeah that's uh it you know if if i'm 30 and I had to move home with my parents. Anybody who knew about that would would immediately mm-hmm. just think that I'm a failure. Whereas, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe the the stigma is not there mm-hmm. in a more family centric area. Like, no. Know. Also, in India, it's more welcomed. You know, like yeah, if yeah. you're 30 and your parents are probably 60, 65, and if you moved back to your whole house, your society would be like, look at him. You know, he's so obedient to his parents. You know, like his parents that when they need him, he's there. Yeah. That's that's a whole different mentality than like, oh, that bum is he's a total failure and like yes. the parents should be able to take care of themselves. So why is he moving home? Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Because in 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 here there are situations where you know uh, the girl might be the only child. Okay. So when when she gets married to let's say you, then your parents and her parents uh, will live in your house only. Okay. Because they have nowhere to go, right? Because, you know, they don't have another boy to, like, you know, boy kid to handle their old age. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So that is also here. Like, and I can show you, like, houses where there are probably, like, five generations living together. Wow. That's crazy. Yes. And, you know, it's not like they're fighting every freaking day. Like, right. people think. Yeah, no. Uh if you if you've just always lived with them, then they're just yeah you know that that's just the you know you're you're used to and the... also you know like people are people become more tolerable sure let's say let's say you know like me and you were brother and we had another brother who farted a lot <laughs> yeah you would become like like you know like tolerant to him he's like yeah that fucking farting guy you know like whatever yeah that's just how it is yeah that's just how it is and you live happily yeah you know, because you have all this support around you. Yeah, that's and, crazy. Wow. Yeah, and also the biggest thing is, you know, when where there is joint family, you don't have to worry about your kids. 
Yeah. Because there are so many adults looking after them. Yeah, that that part's really that part has to be nice. You you kind of have yes. built in uh, help, and and, and yeah, everybody's and willing to do it, and they're happy to do it, right? Correct, exactly. That's the thing because everybody has their own place. Yeah, like you know, someone would be uncle, someone would be auntie, you know, someone would be grandmother, and each and everybody has their own rules because grandmother, like for example, grandfather, right? Grandpa, if 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 the child has a grandmother, grandfather is supposed to be like tough, right? Because that kid is receiving all the love from grandmother. <laughs> Good cop, right? bad cop. So, yeah. yeah, it has to be that, you know, give and take. Because if the kid gets too naughty, grandfather is there. But if the kid gets too silent and sad, grandmother is there. Right. You know, yeah. if the kid is way too, like, straight up, then that uncle is there to spoil him and, you know, teach him bad things. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, that balance has to be there in a family, right? But in, in in a setting where there is only one father and mother, and especially in, you know, single parent houses, I don't know how they manage. Yeah. I, I truly like, I mean, all of them, you know, people who can take care of their children alone. Right. Because they are literal heroes too. Like, oh my God. I don't understand how that works, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Um... You know, I, I know some of my friends are single parents and stuff, but they, mm-hmm. you know, school is, school is, you know, a, a good chunk of the day where they're, you know, mm-hmm. taken care of and in a safe place. And, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then, yeah, you just take on the, take on the rest of it. And some of them have family support and some of them don't. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we're, we have, it's just my wife and I, and, and we have one, one child and our, mm-hmm. you know, our parents aren't super involved. Um mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there is a, there is a kind of like, we're doing this on our own kind of mentality, mm-hmm. but a, yeah. a lot of people, like most of, you know, most of the people I know are like that. They don't have their parents living with them and helping out and, and uh, aunts and uncles <clears throat> and all that stuff mm-hmm. around, you know, it's just a whole different culture, which for, yeah. for better or worse, it's just the mm-hmm. way it is. Yeah. Because, you know, there is one more like weird thing that I would like to point out. You know, if, if the wife becomes pregnant, she will go back to her maternal home for the, you know, for the pregnancy. What? Like, oh. she will not stay in the husband's house because, you know, the only person who has experience of birthing a child is he's her mother. Right. And she's the only person that that particular woman is comfortable with. Huh. Sharing everything and anything. Interesting. So she's, so, uh, so he lives by himself then for that time or? Yeah, he has to uh, live himself, uh, live by himself. He has to visit her, you know, he has to be there. Anything happens, yet he has to go to work, you know. Yeah. And throughout the pregnancy, you know, like there are traditions where people don't uh, trim their beard or, you know, cut their hair um, and all these things. Huh. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's definitely different for sure. And if they Because they're like, you know, like why do I need to look good when my wife, wife is suffering? Yeah, kind of she's, she's not even here. Yeah. Um, so if they have kids already, if they have like one or two kids, those kids go with the Still, mom? Um, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Okay. But but if the kid goes, then even the father will go. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Yeah. Everybody moves in with the in-laws until the baby. Yes, the, baby. the in-laws until the baby is arrived. Yeah. Interesting. And even, even after like six months. I kind of like that. I mean, of, it's, it's, of the delivery. Yeah, the delivery. Yeah. You know, six month age of the baby, even still then she will be living with her mother only. Really? Wow. Yeah. 
that's definitely different yeah so it's like our culture is little bit like rooted in terms of you know how we view the world because people are very simple in india and some you have to understand one thing because i i am like like an outcast in my society because my uh, like thought process and like belief system is so much similar to a redneck carrying a gun with a striped you know like um, denim jeans okay um, on him like that's me okay so <clears throat> you know my thought process and my opinions are so much from outsider kind of view you know if you talk to me you i could relate more to you than 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 a probably like an average indian okay i'm i'm like that kid huh so you know like when i tell people here like you know like in united states every conversation people are trying to understand whether he's trying to sell me something or not right like you know like nothing is for free right. and people don't understand that concept yes i th- i i have heard that with uh with yeah with with indian uh in business it's like and if you're, you're, you came to always... india like right now yeah okay you go to a street vendor any street vendor you know be it a food vegetable um groceries anything yeah. right right you just call him brother that one freaking word whatever you buy is for free <laughs> like they won't take money from you huh okay and if you live in the same area and you go to the same grocery shop every day let's say you you just say namaste or any, anything that that is even remotely relatable to them they will never like take a single penny from you huh that is yeah that's a definitely a different mindset yeah it's like that and when i tell those people like you know like in united states this is not something that you would do they don't understand it huh because you know like i have a older lady in my area so we were recently talking and you know she was talking about feeding um, you know poor people on her birthday and you know by by chance i just mentioned that you know like in some cities in united states it is illegal to feed illegal uh, you know like uh, homeless people right and she could not like you know grasp that she was like okay like what do you mean by homeless like like you know like and also like what do you mean by they cannot like what will they get arrested will they get penalized or will they get like freaking hanged like what's the consequence and you know, who who polices it like you know who is looking at who is looking at it like you know like she had so many like endless loop of questions <laughs> that i found myself questioning like yeah really why is that a rule yeah it, they usually have it as a technicality it'll be like mm-hmm. handing out food without it being prepared properly like like because mm-hmm. there's maybe there's liability there but i i honestly don't understand you know why that is really in place but you know mm-hmm. i i see like in houston i think is a big one where yes. those folks keep going out and they keep feeding the homeless mm-hmm. even though they get a ticket every week or whatever but it's yeah. like their food's not properly prepared in like a commercial kitchen and so you're mm-hmm. selling food or you're giving away food that was made like in a home kitchen where there's really no regulation mm-hmm. or, or on how it was yeah. prepared or stored mm-hmm. or so that's like a technicality i think that they just use to mm-hmm. try to stop people from feeding the, yeah. the homeless which is dumb 
for sure. Yeah, but you see, you as a person who is living in that city, you understand like, you know, like, okay, this is what can happen. This is what cannot right. happen. Right, 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 right. But, you know, I think I, I'm trying to make you understand like people here do not even have that like the thing that. as a concept. Like that is so like alien to them, not even foreign. Yeah. That is so alien that, um, and you know, like actually I went to school recently to do a presentation um, as I you know like youth and leader and all these things, leadership and all these things. And in the conversation, you know, I just mentioned that there are retiree cities in the United States where, you know, retired people go live. <laughs> and, and you know, like they thought it was like, you know, Disneyland. They're like, okay, are they there to have fun? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then they come back to home. I'm like, no, oh, sorry. Like that's yeah. the, where they're going to die most probably. Yeah. And people did not understand, you know, and children, children were happy because they thought like, you know, oh my God, if I go to Disneyland, I just stay there forever. Yeah. I get to live at Disneyland. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You're but like, I'm like, actually, no, that's where they go to die. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Like that's like where people are forgotten. Like, you know, like, um, you know, people take advantage of them and all these things. And, you know, like, honestly, people cannot like relate to it. So like, that's why I'm saying, you know, me. Being an Indian, I'm, I, I am like an outcast. Yeah, I could I, I could definitely see that. Does that, I mean, does that affect, that doesn't affect like your work life or anything like that, does it? Nope. Okay. Because, you know, I, I am Indian, but I also have that, you know, sw- switch in the brain where I can switch and be an American very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Other day, you know, I went with my friends to a restaurant and food had some issues. And I wanted to complain. And one of my friends said, you are using your white privilege. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You're like, no, actually, I'm Indian. Sorry. Yeah, actually, I'm Indian and I am British at the best in complexity. <laughs> well, and you, yeah. you, you work with non-Indian companies. So that, yes. uh, you, know, you, you kind of have to, right? You kind of have to switch that off. Yes, I also have to switch it off and also sometimes I have to be political <coughs> to talk to people. And that is something that I have realized with Americans especially. I have to play very safely with politi- politics. Right. Because here I could say, you know, like, I, I like Congress and, you know, they would be saying, you know, like, no, I, I like the other party. And I'm like, yeah, whatever the fuck, dude. Yeah. But with the United States, that's a deal breaker. That's, they're like, how dare you support Trump? <laughs> I'm like, dude, I can't even vote the fuck are you talking about yeah 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 i'm not uh i'm not don't have a you know dog in this fight i can't vote I yeah i don't have a green card i don't i i don't even know where trump lives i don't i you know i have seen united states in movies and maps yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and um you know i have a friend his name is sunny uh sunny he's from new york um he is he is like my personal vlogger Okay. Like sometimes you'll send, um, you know, like videos of Indian restaurants and streets of United States, and I'm like, yeah, that that's that's the, all of the access that I have, you know, in United States. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't have any opinion. It doesn't matter even if I like yeah. freaking Hillary Clinton. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. the kind of you know like uh, person I am. So when I talk to you know like Americans or any other country you know people, I can relate to them far easily because you know Anson in India learning English is kind of premium. Okay. 
it's like if if your IQ was seventy, if you learned English, your IQ would be ninety. You're you're just seen as a, you know, smarter or more cosmopolitan or something. Yeah, it's like you're 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 a sophisticated person. Sophisticated, yeah. Yes, like you don't know you don't shit now, you know you take you take dumps. <laughs> ah, yes, very. Uh, you know, yeah, very like you know colonial mindset. Very, yeah. <laughs> we still have that in india right so it is very essential it was very essential for me to learn english because i did not know a lick of english until i was like 12 years old okay like i could not write abcs like you know i was that fucked sure 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 but i had to quickly learn it like in three four months to um you know like learn english yeah <clears throat> and in India, another thing is, you know, we are bilingual. Right. Like, okay, how many languages do you know? Like, to write and to read and write. Um, me, personally? Yeah. Um, I, I'd say one and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not very good at uh, Spanish, but <laughs> I know enough to get mm-hmm. by, so. Got it. In India, it's like three to four is average. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you know, I know this and this and this and this. Yeah. So, you know, I'll be speaking in English. In the middle of the sentence, I'm going to switch to some other language. And before completing a sentence, I'll be in third language. Like, you know, it is so natural for us. Yeah. So that's why for us, English is very easy language. Yeah. The, like, that's what, even though it's yeah. sophisticated, is it is it pretty common for, for people to learn English as well? Now it's becoming more common. Okay, okay. Now, recently, in like past ten years, maybe, but still, you know, like majority of India, like do, don't don't care about English. Like, they may read numbers maximum. Okay, sure. But they don't understand. They don't have complex a need to words. Learn fluency in English. Yes. Right. Yeah, because you know, here children are already fucked because as soon as you're born, you're expected to know three to four languages. Yeah. Well, like, what what it's are those like, typical? Like, what are the top? you know, three that, that somebody would learn, mm. um, typically. So Hindi is the national language, okay. not, not, um, you know, like declared, but it's the majority spoken language Hindi. So Hindi is pretty common, like almost everybody speaks and then comes their, <clears throat> you know, mother tongue that's from their father's, um, heritage. Okay. So for example, uh, my father is from a state called as Andhra Pradesh. So I speak Telugu. And then I live in Bangalore, where we speak Kannada. And they're they're distinct enough to where it's it is just like learning like an entirely new language, right? Yes, they're they're, they're completely new language because they, they they have their own alphabets, they have their own oh, wow. grammar, okay. sentences, everything uh-huh. totally completely different. Interesting. Yeah, I would think, yeah. I would think that they would be a little bit more similar, but. But you know, just just by geographics, but uh, like kind of like I'm, yeah. I'm learning Swedish right now, mm-hmm. and you know, if, if if I want to, um, like if I look at Norwegian, it's close enough mm-hmm. to where I could probably get by with the little amount that I know. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, it sounds like there are just three totally distinct languages, uh, yes, f- from those areas, and so yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. You know, person from one language could not understand the other one. Okay. Not even, not even. Like at all. Enough. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. They were like, the fuck are you talking about? Interesting. 
Yeah, so it's like that. So I know like four languages yeah. to read and write. And I probably know other two languages that I can understand. Sure. sure. And, you know, like interpret some parts. So it's like that. You know, it's here there are people who know 10 to 12 languages who have traveled country. Just, just our own country. Just in India. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, just in India. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I can understand. Like, mm-hmm. if you know the the regionals, the you know, like your father's language and the where you're yeah. at, and then the the national mm-hmm. language, then you add mm-hmm. English on top of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that. that and, that's pretty crazy. And also, there are you know local dialects within languages, and th- those local dialects have their own words and meanings. Oh, sure, sure. So yeah, a child in India is kind of fucked. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Jeez, if he has issues with learning language, but like school teaches uh, only only Hindi, or they only teach like the the regional language. So schools have like three languages. Oh, okay, okay. English, Hindi, and the local language. Okay, but uh, there is a language called as Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Uh-huh. That's the oldest language that we have, and all of the languages come from the that one mother language okay and people learn that language too oof jeez man so if 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 you are a te- if you are a texan like if if you were born in texas right. and you came to florida you would be fucked <laughs> <laughs> because in home you would have to speak texan yes but in 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 schools you would have to like speak floridian language oh. Man. And then there will be one national language and English upon it. That's crazy. Wow. And, you know, like if you in, in India, if you want to become a diplomat, you have to learn three foreign languages. That's three foreign languages. Oh, wow. Yes. Like, you know, Russian, Spanish, Italian. Oh, sorry, not <laughs> French. Wow. All these languages. You have to learn three at least. That's crazy. It it It's really strange coming from just a mono language culture where... Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have, we have, uh, usually in middle school and high school, they'll, they'll have language, mm-hmm. language programs, but they're totally elective. Like I could get by mm-hmm. my entire life without ever learning another language. Um, yes. whereas for you guys, that's not even an option. Like you have to learn your, yeah. your, you know, obviously it's probably important for the family that you learn like the father, the father's side yes. language. And then mm-hmm. you can't get by locally without learning the local language. And then. Yeah. Obviously, Hindi is the national language, and so yeah. If you want to travel, you better speak that. Yeah, and you know you cannot for, um, uh, forget your mother's tongue. That is, you know, father's language, yep. because that's what your whole family is con- conversing in. <laughs> that's so crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, that that is. So that it's is like nuts. that. And learning, like learning languages when you're little, when you're you know mm-hmm. uh, zero to six years old, has been shown mm-hmm. to to greatly expand you know, your, your learning capacity and your brain yes. and your knowledge. So like, if you have a, you know, two-year-old that's being spoken to in like three or four languages, like, man, they're mm-hmm. like, they're, they're well ahead of uh, the rest yeah. the rest of us. Because, you know, I have a niece, like my sister, uh, my sister's son. Yeah. I think, sorry, nephew. Yeah. So like, he's kind of fucked now because he's learning Kannada, English, Hindi, Telugu, Tulu, and I don't remember one other a Sanskrit. He's like he's, he's learning oh six God. languages. He's like three years old. Oh my gosh, that is insane. So he's kind of fucked now. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. 
yeah. And upon that, you know, he's learning, of course, the normal school that's physics, maths, and you know, science, right. all these things. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> poor guy. You could understand, you know, like why Indians are so frustrated all the time. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that and like the the exam pressure and the school pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Don't even bring that up. Oh, no. Like, okay, we won't. You know, there there is a college here. Like, if you want to get into that college. You have to score ninety nine percent in your in your last examination. Oh my gosh! And that's the cutout. That's the the cutoff is ninety nine percent. Yeah, oh. then you become eligible to write the entrance exam. That that's just <laughs> yeah that that's way too much pressure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you lived it, so, so you yeah you 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 had first hand i just floated it through dude i did not even live it <laughs> okay so you didn't i was just like yeah i i can't wait for it to be over yeah oh my gosh <laughs> you know that's why i did not get my masters because first of all i i have no need for masters okay and yeah more education doesn't seem practical for me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if you're uh you know it, your your job is you know, secure yeah. and you're good to go. And then you have the side hustle that could easily replace your job. I'm sure. Yeah. Then, yeah, then there's no need to, to go, to go back and put yourself under that pressure. Yes. That's the one thing that I like about my country, you know, like people, you know, like when I talk to Americans, they say, you know, we have freedom. I'm like, yeah, so we do too. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I would never say that you don't for sure. Yeah. I'm like, you know, like probably 70 other countries have it. You know, yeah, the same freedom that you have. Yeah, <clears throat> I'd say, you know, you know, having the freedom to be able to go to school and not be not have yes. debt and mm-hmm. healthcare, like yeah. that makes you. Oh my god, healthcare free. is so cheap in India, <laughs> Anson. I'm telling you, I'm. T- if you ever want a plastic surgery, just fly down. Just to fly India, over there. Yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I've it, like medical tourism is real. I mean, I've, I've seen, yes, I've seen where it's like, yeah. You you can either get your hip replaced in America, or you can fly to India or Spain, mm-hmm. stay there for like two months, yeah, in like a you know a really nice hotel while you're, while you're recovering mm-hmm. and get the procedure yeah. done, and you're still saving like half the money than, mm-hmm. than the amount that you'd have to spend to to go there, yeah, which is crazy, yeah. Because I saw that there was a charge for. Uh, once the baby is born, yeah. for the uh, skin contact, they yeah. charge money. I was like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, I ain't paying that. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, it is insane. It's it's so broken that it's not even like it's not even funny. Yeah, I like if I had to get yeah. something done that I that I had advance notice of, it wasn't an mm-hmm. emergency surgery or something like that. I would mm-hmm. I would go to India every day of the week to get that done. Yes, dude. Please save, come to India or money. go to Israel. Yeah. <laughs> like you will save insane amount of money. Yeah. And you guys because have amazing I saw, doctors and uh, yes. really good. Yeah, and also we well. we have the second highest number of doctors and third uh, no first we we have the highest number of engineers and second highest number of doctors in the world. Yep. Yeah, it's not surprising. So you're safe with us. Not yeah, I'm, <laughs> I I would not think twice about it. I would go get it done any day of the week, man. Yeah, because I, I, I saw that um, recently. I Actually, today afternoon, I saw that. Um, <clears throat> one of my uh, US friend had an EKG. Okay. Electrocardiogram. And he was in OR for, uh, sorry, he was in emergency, uh, you know, 
for three days. I think he was admitted. Yeah. They gave him a bill of $9,000 for uh, EKGs for three days. Just the and, EKG. Uh, oh, just the EKG. Ugh. And <clears throat> he had get he he got an imaging done that cost him ninety seven thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! I was like Jesus Christ! Like I am not even Christian. I'm I'm swearing. Like, <laughs> oh my God! That is so much money. Yeah. And he uh, he unfortunately went through two surgeries that cost him combined hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. 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 You know, you know what was the accident happened? He he broke two ribs. Oh. Okay. That was that was what That's happened. it. That's it. Yes. In India that the whole shebang would have cost you even in the highest of the highest hospitals probably $15,000. $15,000. Jeez. Everything, everything from admission to medicine to drugs to everything even freaking tipping the nurse. Tipping. Wow. You guys tip the nurse. That's awesome. Yeah. Once, you know, like once you get discharged. Once right? you're done. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> once you get out of it alive, that... you say thank you <laughs> for keeping me alive. And also if, if, you know, if they say that, you know, if they see that, you know, you can tip, they'll probably treat you better. Okay. Yeah. It's not like, you know, they won't treat you if, of if, course. You, if you don't give tips, yeah, but yeah. you know, they give you that little bit kind of special attention that people like. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the whole two rib cage would be costing you like $15,000. Yeah. And my friend just got it in drugs. Like, you know, in medicine, it cost him $18,000. Oh my gosh. I was like, God damn, that's expensive. Oof. Man, I can't even. And, you know, do you want to know a funny thing? What's that? His, His health insurance was going to expire. The next day that he got admitted. Oh no, jeez! He was like, "Dude, I could not sleep in the night. You know this pain, and the worst than pain is I know that if it expires, I'm fucked." Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Well, I'm coming <clears> to you. you are I'm coming to India. Fucked. <laughs> yes, dude. Anytime. You know because even pregnancy is very cheap here. Not pregnancy. I mean like delivery. Yeah, delivery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's also very cheap here you know the best of hospitals would probably cost you like four thousand dollars that's not that's not bad yeah but you know the best of hospitals meaning it's like the rolls royce of right pregnancy you know like maternity hospitals yeah so you're it like would cost you like you're like good middle of the road hospital would probably be you know two thousand or less you think yeah, not no, probably like within a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars, wow. Yeah, and if you are way too poor, like you cannot afford hospitals, you go to a government hospital. That government is, you know, like regularly working on improving it. Right. I don't want to shit on them. It would cost you like ten dollars for registration. Not even that much. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's it. Like no other charges. You'd probably tip like another five to ten dollars for the attender, uh, the nurse. Yeah. To take care that's it like within 20 25 dollars you're out of it wow and if you work in government it's for it's free and if you're in the military it's free yeah. if you're disabled it's free okay yeah that's awesome it's like that yeah we need uh we need an indian medical system over here let's do it 
Yes. Go. You know, elect an Indian next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not Kamala Harris, please. Yeah. Not her. Uh, anybody else anybody else besides her okay yeah sounds good vote the dead lincoln please <laughs> but don't vote kamala harris please all right well i don't think she'll enact any indian medical system anytime soon so yeah but she might take some indian medication though <laughs> anyway. if you know what i mean oh yeah <laughs> yeah my god so, Anson, thank you very much. First of all, it was very fun talking to you. You as well. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah, I did not realize it was this long, which is very fortunate for me. <laughs> it's good for you. Um, good, good for me as well. Yes. Because, you know, like there are, I have had guests whom, you know, I literally had to put my hand in their mouth <laughs> and, you know, like drag the words out of them. Alex, please freaking talk for God's sake. That's right. Yeah. So fortunately, you are a very great guest. I appreciate that. And, you know, it is such an honor for me to have you on the podcast because, you know, as you said, it's morning and you probably missed some work because of this. I did. That's so, okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for coming <laughs> on the show. Thank you very much for having me. And I really, I really enjoyed this. Very, very good talk. So I liked it. Thank you, Anson. And guys, this is the end of the episode. And Anson's like social media links will be in the you know episode description. Just click on it, go there, show him our support, and you know just say hi. You know because he also has a very good Instagram game where he is putting up good reels and everything. So just go out there and check. And if you are interested in real estate, just support Anson on probably Instagram. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so until the next next episode, take care and bye-bye.